I saw an undiscovered creature climbing on the mountainside. Welcome everyone to a very special All About All Elite where we say thank you to the listeners of this show. This is the LOPforums.com slash Twitter listeners choice episode. We solicited questions from the audience, and we got more than you could imagine. And we are going to move through them today. Just a reminder, next week we will not be on the air. We will take off um, the Double or Nothing episode, and we will come back the next week with full coverage. But today is very, very special, so we need to get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the LOP Mystic, a.k.a. your one-man hype band, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Mizfan, the brain. Greetings, Mizfan fans. Welcome to another episode of All About All Elite. It is Double or Nothing Eve, and we're taking the opportunity to talk about whatever you want us to talk about. Thank you for everyone who sent in all those questions. We are ready to talk about all of them, and uh, I'll just say, such a pleasure doing this show. It's a lot of fun to do it with a mystic uh, who's at a very high point in his fandom. Um, There's really nothing quite like being swept along uh, with this guy right here when he's really just on the peak of enjoying something. Uh, it's, just, it's, 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 it's a special feeling. It doesn't happen that often. It's uh, it's really cool. So I'm really glad we have a chance to do this together, my friend. Thank you kindly. It is on the, I like the on the peak of because that's what it's been. You and I have been traveling for something like four months now. And yet Cody Rhodes says AEW starts on May 25th. And I love you, Cody Rhodes, and I even like that statement, but what the hell have we been doing these last 16 weeks? We have been here covering something. Was it AEW? Was it not AEW? But we will get into all of that, but Ms. Fan is correct. My fandom right now is high. The state of AEW right now is high. The fact that we got so many questions, the state of this show is high. The state of audience participation, all of that says that things are good in the world of AEW, AEW coverage, LOPforums.com, dialogue, relational work, conversations, building to what's it going to be like? Who's going to be the top guys? What kind of company is going to be? What's the vibe going to be? What's the style going to be? We don't have all the answers, but we are going to do what we can with the questions today. And I am always honored to be with my co-host, Mr. Ms. Fan, because like he said, I will hit these peaks and then I might disappear. Ms. Fan is steady throughout. He will search under every rock to find pro wrestling to watch. And we've come together once with Impact. We've come together for WCW. And now we come together for a show that is officially going to be on TNT. Ladies and gentlemen, that is done. All these years, all these bullshit narratives 
from a company called WWE and a person named Vince McMahon where they have retold and retold the story of WCW and WWE. And Ted Turner calls Vince McMahon and says, I'm in the wrestling business. And Vince McMahon says, well, I'm in the entertainment business. That's a quick reply. I don't know if it went like that. But you know what TNT said in their tweet the other day? They said, we're back in the wrestling business. We're back. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot be more excited. We live in a world right now where Cody Rose dropped a video response to Dustin weeks ago at 6.05. We live in a world where AEW, like them or not, call them a t-shirt company, call them non-existent for this moment in time. They will be on prime time TNT in October. BR Live, who knows what kind of video footage, what kind of transmedia hookups we're going to get. But it was just coincidence that we're celebrating LOPForms.com. We're celebrating the fact that we have received 15,000 plus views in our thread at the same time where AEW is celebrating their TV deal. So Ms. Van, thank you for being here. Thank you to the listeners. And let's let this celebration begin. Yes, let's do it. I'm all about it. Okay, so we have broken these uh, uh, questions into categories to try to make it make sense. Because, again, we asked for two and people were like, no, nah, I'll send you six. And that's not a knock. That's a thank you. I like that style. So we're going to begin. And I like where we're beginning because maybe it says it, there's an emphasis, a hunger, a desire for this. But we're beginning with listeners who asked us questions about championships in AEW. And we're beginning with Ryan Evans, who asked, um, who would you like to see or think will be the first women's champion? Uh, yeah, big thanks to Ryan Evans for being a, a very consistent listener of the show. Often bombards me with questions even when I don't answer them, but that's fine. I, uh, I answer them when I can. Uh, women's champion. Yeah, this is something that's important to AEW. Clearly, they made a big deal of it. Uh, it's important to me because I do love women's wrestling. I love the representation, uh, and I generally love the performances, honestly. There's a lot of talent out there. Um, personally, who I would like to see AEW's first women's champion, uh, that's gotta be Aja Khan. I think I've said that already. She's awesome. She will bring legitimacy to the title. Even if she doesn't even hold it that long, uh, if someone rises up to take her out, then that's cool. But, man, I would love to see Aja Kong be that first champion. Uh, who do I think it will be? I would probably say uh, Britt Baker, who I am not super high on, but I just have a sense that the company is very high on her. So uh, I won't cry if that's the case. I'll definitely give her a chance to win me over more because I've only seen her a few times. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They have a lot of good choices. Those are the two that come to mind for uh, for like and think. But uh, my my friend Mystic, what do you think about this one? First of all, to the listeners, if you don't listen to the whole show, listen to the whole show or make sure you skip around because there's going to be some very important things that are going to be placed throughout because of the way these conversations are going to go. So this is one not to miss. This is your conversation. And this was the easiest, I think, of all the questions. There is no question about who should be the first women's champion is fucking Aja Kong. Yeah. There is no conversation. She is the same age 
as Chris Jericho. She is 48 years old. It is time to strike. It is time to maximize. And what you're going to get, from what it seems, and I will, I will bring some quotes in later about what we should expect from AEW. Particularly, we'll get to a question from CB Mac about, and I've seen this online too, about, well, should they be on TNT if they're going to be sports-centric? Because TNT is, um, we know, drama. Well, I'm going to give you some things about that. Number one, that there's going to be character development. So let's not act like there's not, even though people are doing it all over the place. And number two, I'm, I'm, spoiling, I'm spoiling a future question, but number two, this is not a knock on anybody who's grown up in the wrestling in the last 20 years and has been in a WWE-centric world. But did you know that when pro wrestling is booked where wins and losses matter and outcomes matter, then everything everyone does is filled with drama. A wrestling match is filled with drama because the outcome matters. History is not erased next week. And so what you want to do is not give the belt to someone like Britt Baker, who I agree, push-wise, looks like she might be one, or Smiley Kylie, or any of the great... Um, Japanese women who I cannot wait to see. I am more excited right now about the six-man than the three-way when it comes to the women's wrestling. You want to give it to the, to the one who is already established. The one who's a bit of a beast, if you will. And then everybody builds a character by how they come against Aja Kong. I don't believe for one second the way that Britt Baker who got her fucking PhD while training to be a wrestler is going to approach Aja Kong the same way as Smiley Kylie. What the hell's Nyla Rose gonna do? Because to me, Nyla Rose gotta step up because she might she might get that bump. They might they might favor her and make her that uh performer. But in my world, until she steps up, Aja Kong just pushes her out of the picture. So what's she gonna do? So if you build this around the most established star, the 48-year-old female Chris Jericho, the male Aja Kong Chris Jericho, however you want to say it, then everybody gets drama, they get smoke, they get story, because they're orbiting around one of the most impressive female wrestlers of all time. Great, I love it. I thought we might be uh, simpatico on this one. Uh, yeah, I love you said that about the, uh, the six woman tag team match. Cause yeah, that, I, that's quickly jumped to be one of the ones I am most excited to see on this card. I think it'll tell us a lot about, uh, what we might need to know about, um, this women's division in AEW. So, uh, it definitely has potential to tear the house down. Um, yeah, I, it could be a lot of people. There are a lot of talented people and you mentioned some of them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To me, it really, it just ought to be Aja Khan. Like, that's so clear to me. So I, I really hope that's the direction they go. Yeah, I feel like if we don't go that direction, she's just going to be a gimmick, like, here and there. Because I don't see her, like, I don't think they're going to build a big chase with her be, with her doing the chase. So I just hope, this is the thing that I will say, and maybe I have this somewhere else in my notes, but we got wrestlers coming from Japan. We got wrestlers coming from China. And there's been this comparison to WCW and, like, introducing kind of lucha wrestling on a larger stage. If you want to do something that is truly 
game changing. Don't just introduce me to styles from Japan and styles from China and styles from wherever. Find a way to allow them to be characters who have stories just like wrestlers in the U.S. have stories. Like you are shortchanging the opportunities when like, oh, this is a fascinating athlete, but you will never get to care about them as anything more than an athlete while you get to care about everyone else with a story and, a, and, and such. And if you do that, if you allow that, we're going to come out of this with a very interesting conversation because we're going to get we're going to get exposed to a lot of people at Double or Nothing, and I'm interested to see which women we will be talking about and which may take a back seat in our conversation after Double or Nothing. Indeed. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this is, although I actually do like her a lot as a performer, please not Brandy Rhodes. Wrestling mm-hmm. is by far the weakest thing she is doing right now. We don't even know if she's going to do it regularly. Just talking about it, I get shades of, like, Stephanie McMahon, women's champion, and it's not, it gives me heebie-jeebies. You know, context is king, and that's true for a lot of these. It could be a lot of people that we are not talking about or people that we are saying it shouldn't be that person in the right context, but that would be a very hard sell for me. So I want to say, please know, Brandy's a great character. Keep her on screen, keep her doing stuff, but not women's champion. Definitely not first women's champion. Yeah, I had not even thought about Brandy Rose, to be honest. And I do not want to see her as the first champion. And then the other problem I don't want to see, she invited a friend to join her at a future event. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think they also have to be careful about, I don't want to see kind of like, oh, I'm the bad GM to make sure my friend is always the champion. (laughs) Yeah, there's a big temptation, I think, to go down that uh, trope-covered road. And uh, I just, uh, we've seen it. We've seen it almost every day of our wrestling lives for the past 20 years or more, so yeah, it's not uh, not my first choice. You know, God knows it can be effective, but we need a break from all this, so let's avoid that maybe for now. When I read you some things from Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Tony Khan, everything they say post-TV deal is all alternative, and I'm not sure how much of an alternative it is to give us a heel GM, but you know. Exactly, we'll exactly. Okay, so we got a similar question from Benjamin Button in Brooklyn, which is they want to know what is a good idea for a secondary title. Uh, Benjamin Button lists, like, think about US, IC, TV, Hardcore, European, X Division, and who would be a good candidate to hold it? Mm. I, I Surely we both know the answer to this one, or at least as far as we, we mentioned I, I, it. I like, we'll have to say that. <laughs> we mentioned it like a hundred times, I think. Uh, we need an AEW television championship. Uh, like, there's no tomorrow. Um, mm. It's uh, a great title with a lot of legacy. It goes back to uh, a lot of things that they've already connected with in terms of sort of being a successor to WCW. It's a title that WWE has never kind of like put its fingerprints on in any way, shape, or form. Uh, it's a title that evokes a certain feeling, I think, and there's a lot they can do, and they are, t- they are on TV, they're on TNT, so they have a very high-profile place to put it. Uh, obviously, that is what I would love to see, far more than any kind of title from WWE or TNA or anything like that. I think that would not fit. Um, and honestly, I would love to see a TV title, I think, and then try to come up with something new. Again, context is king. They could always sell me on something new. 
but I think back to all the attempts that TNA made to, like, come up with a new mid-card title, like the Global title, the Legends title, mm-hmm. all this stuff that was just not, it just, you know, there's no ring to it, you know? So TV title, definitely for me, that's all I want. If they just have that, world title, women's title, tag title, that'll be a great constellation of titles, I think. Yes, because this is, there's so many places where I feel like AEW's argument for what they are could quickly fall apart. Mm. Um, I don't think for one second what Cody Rhodes calls a sports-centric, and this is fair enough because I'm not saying it would be bad. We don't need a singular approach, but we're claiming that the, the sport is going to be a sports-centric. And then I think about the Young Bucks. I think about a lot of other people. I'm like, how does all of this fit together? Mm-hmm. Then I think about what kind of championships we might have. You know, there's a lot of hardcore wrestlers on the on the card, so you know, there's a lot of that kind of style. <laughs> there's gonna be some of that stuff for sure. So, but if we if we're just talking about number one, what I want to see, and number two, what fits what they're claiming, it is without a doubt either the TV title or a title built around built off what the TV title was. Mm. This is a belt that in the early 90s, whoever was TV champion, didn't matter. They were simply called the best wrestler on TV. Mm. That's what it meant to be TV champion. And when I tell you it was held in one year, it's held by Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Steve Austin, and that's in sequence. Are you fucking serious? Mm. Like looking back on that, would you like to have that kind of mid-card? And I've never thought about this, but I think the U.S. and IC title might be a fraud. Like, I'm not saying don't do it, but at the same time, it's always been the number one contender, and it really, really, really hasn't been that. So, you know, right now, it would be easier to promote something like this. And I don't know if it should be the TV title. If it is, I'd be more than happy. Um, I think maybe they could do something that goes beyond that as well. You know, kind of kind of stuff the NWA and Nick Aldis does, something that is transmedia, something that, depending on what they do with BR Live... Like, you give me MJF, and he's the best wrestler on all these networks or one of these networks, and I'm I'm happy, happy for days and days and days. If you want to be a sports-centric company with personalities, give me that kind of championship and MJF is champion, and you don't even have to do the work. Give the man a camera. For fuck's sake. He was on... Uh, the Lords of Pain, uh, someone requested an interview with him. I only read like two lines. And it was just like, I didn't even get out of the greetings, and I was laughing out loud at how he responded. <laughs> just give him a camera, give him a belt, point him in the right direction, and let's go. Yeah, I'm absolutely. That's the first name that came to my mind as well. In some ways, it's the only name that came to my mind, and I think... If this is what we're thinking of, he should win that title and he should hold it until somebody else actually deserves to take it from him, which could be a long time. Um, TV title, yeah, especially if you implement some sort of time limit, like uh, historically they have done a very, very rich title for this guy to hold on to, to just do a tremendous amount of work with. Shades of, you know, Regal, shades of uh, all the great TV champions from uh, an earlier area, era, and uh, you may think we're just nostalgic, but man, uh, it's just such a rich possibility, and it's really what I want to see. The reason it was so good, you're calling them the best wrestler on TV, you need a time limit, because now the genre, the style, is in a different mode than any other thing going on. 
So you might be the world champion. How are you not the best wrestler on TV? Well, do you have to go out in 10-minute in increments weekly and hold on to your belt? You might, not defend, you might not defend your belt for weeks, if not months, depending on what the rules are. TV champion hustles. TV champion is there partly so the world champion doesn't have to be there every day. TV champion is a workhorse. Back in that day with the U.S. title, TV champion is probably going to be a U.S. champion who's probably going to be a world champion. Like that's the kind of that's what that's what we're looking at. Mm. So you forgot, yeah. Give us give us that time limit. Give us a a structure that belongs. That's the thing with these championships; they need structures that belong to them. And I hope we'll get that. Rather than gimmicks, give us structures. Mm, yeah. Let's see how that works. I like that idea a lot. I want to see it. Uh, the next one, in, uh, I'm, I'm interested in what you will have to say because you have not been on the record about this, but I will, of course, be short with my answer because I um, have been. But um, this one, how did I not write down the name? Do you know? Uh, it's another Ryan Evans question, I think. Okay, so this is Ryan Evans. Um, what should AEW do to crown their first heavyweight champion? Okay, so yeah, you, you got your short answer, so you can throw it out there first if you want. Okay. I've said this a thousand times. I want freak. I'm, I'm swearing a lot on this. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm I am amped. Yeah. But I I want my WrestleMania four tournament is what I want. I want my Survivor Series '98 tournament is what I want. Where even Vince Russo was there and he couldn't ruin it. I want this to be. I want a pageantry. I want meaning. I want a night that can live forever. I've said it a million times. You can build so much conflict when people don't know who they're gonna wrestle. Everybody wants to be a champion. I don't really want to see the belt just determined, like in a night of like, oh, well, we're going to have a match today and we're going to have a champion. Or, God forbid, Eric Bischoff again hands the belt to Triple H. Mm. Like, well, you might as well shut your company down when you get there. But there's a lot of other ways to do it. But I would just like, why not give us a night that can live forever? My God, if we're going to be paying $50 for a pay-per-view, man, give me, give me a world title tournament. Uh, indeed, I uh, definitely knew that was going to be your answer, and I think that's very cool. I think that could work very well. Uh, I will suggest something alternate just to keep the conversation going. I don't know if this would be better, but I think it could be as good. It could be better in some ways. Um, are you familiar at all with New Japan's G1 Climax series? I have been, but okay. it would not hurt if you refreshed my memory. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it's basically what they call a round-robin tournament. You take two blocks of guys, and every guy in that block will wrestle every other guy in that block, and they keep track of every win and every loss, and they keep track of who lost to who and who beat who. And then when you get to the end, you look at uh, kind of all the points, however you set it up. You take the winner of each block, you put them together in one final match. Uh, it... Uh, as far as time goes, it's pretty much the exact opposite of a one-night tournament because it could take a while to do all these matches. But part of me really likes this idea because, A, you really are going to get to know your roster. You're going to get to know the hierarchy if you go this way. And every win and loss is going to matter tremendously in a very palpable way. And that's a very cool thing I think you can do to establish early on. That, uh, that this is how it's gonna be, that, you know, you really do have to pay attention to every win and loss here. Uh, I don't know if they should do it as big or as long as the New Japan, uh, G1 Climax, cause that can take a while, but I think they will also benefit from having that comparison, because part of what they have sold themselves on is sort of being like, hey, we took a bunch of, like, these popular New Japan guys, 
and now we're in America, and now we live here, and now it's an American company. But we still kind of are, are holding ourselves up to the quality level in terms of the wrestling and the presentation that a lot of people have come to expect from New Japan. So I think that could be very cool. I think also, uh, like, a Rumble-type thing has been mentioned. Uh, I love mm. Rumbles, but, yeah, not for the first champion. I don't need no. that. I think that would not be a good fit. So, so yeah, one-night tournament is cool. Round-robin tournament like the G1 Climax would be very cool. Um, one of those two ways, I think, would definitely be my preference. I would say Royal Rumble would be a bad look for your Yeah, person. I would not. I, I love Rumbles. I really do. I hope they do some kind of Rumble-esque thing. But not for their first champion. That would not be. It would just. It would feel really wrong, because the whole thing of a rumble is you could sort of win by luck, and you know you might not. And it's cool when someone goes like from the early stages to later on. But if you want to establish your company as like, man, we're gonna be all about like the best wrestler will be champion, the person who earned all their wins. Then you really got to do something a little more straightforward to crown your first champion. Uh, that's just how it is, in my opinion. What I like about your suggestion is they have to find a way, as you said, to establish what kind of company they are, but also to get eyeballs on TNT when they start. Yes. And that could very well be a way to get eyeballs on the product. Um, whether that plays out for a long time throughout shows or if that still somehow ends up with some guys on, on a pay-per-view together, I don't know. But I like your idea. I would be just as happy with that. Um, again, no Royal Rumble, number one, because you're not going to use the WWE gimmick to establish your first champion. Mm. And number two, there is that, that luck of the draw. Like, you could throw, you could easily luck into winning a Royal Rumble. And the first world title, the first world champion, doesn't need to be determined like that. Uh, I'm going to read you something from Cody Rhodes that might speak well to what you're saying. Cody Rhodes says, One thing we really strongly want to present is wins and losses mattering again in pro wrestling. That takes more than the W and the L column. We're, ta we're talking about percentage of times someone loses to this particular maneuver, percentages against somebody of this height, a whole by-the-numbers approach that really intrigues me. It's not a cornerstone of AEW necessarily, but it's a great peripheral element we're working on that's going to be exclusive to us. Mm. How much more than coming out the gate? Not only these are the people you've lost to, these are the people you lost to when it mattered most. Mm -hmm. These are the people who made sure you're not going to be our first world champion. So I could definitely get on board with that. Yeah, yeah. I think you can just do so much to kind of establish, like, the strengths and weaknesses of your roster. There are so many different uh, feuds and conflicts that can branch out of this, so many histories that you can start creating. I think there's just a lot of potential in there, and uh, it would be a good look, I think. So I, I like the idea. I'd be very interested if they did something like it. They are on TNT, which I am a massive basketball fan, and um, the NBA TNT hosts a lot of basketball games. It hosts a lot of the playoff and um, finals games. And there's something that is always big in conversation, which is which players are great regular season players and great playoff players? Mm. And which are great regular season players and they always shrink and go away when the bright lights of the playoffs come? And that tournament in that way, keeping up with wins and losses like that, could be the beginning of this is a great start for 52 weeks out of the year. But what happens when they challenge for a bell? What happens when they're in this tournament 
Why do they shrink? Why can't they win? How is it they could beat so-and-so seven times a year? But when the money's on the table, they can't seem to get it done. So there's just there's, there's, and this again, I hope you're hearing me that this is sport, what they're calling sports centric. But if you don't see the drama and the character and the storytelling in that, then I'm not sure what to do for you. Mm, 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 mm. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, we're going to switch categories. Next up is questions that you all had about performers in AEW. It began with Doc. Uh, you all know or should know Doc from the Doc Says. He sent us um, Pac versus Aries from WrestleMania. I wanted us to watch that. And with the question attached, how high can Pac go in AEW? Mm. I'm just going to go ahead and spoil this one up front. Doc, he, he can go as high in the company as there is to go. Pac can certainly be a world champion. Can he be by himself? I don't know. But Pac plus Bastard. Pac plus promo he did on that first episode um, that built the Hangman Page match. I'm not saying he should be world champion. But I'm saying he has that potential. There's a man who is not only serious, but he cuts he cuts opposite of the elite vibe. And if they want to be a bigger company, they need to honor not only the guys who got them there, but the guys who cut against everything they are. And Pac cuts that stuff. Okay, so that's that's my answer to the question of how high can he go. And yeah, I think it'll be no shock that I, I definitely agree. Um, there is really not much of a ceiling to what Pac potentially could do with AEW. Yeah, this guy is very much a possible world champion. Uh, he is very much anything that I think you need him to be. This guy is basically the limit. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the potential success of Pac. The man hustles. The man is, is all over the world. And I will say this. The one thing you got me with, Doc, in watching it, I am not a WWE fan. And I feel like for the last 20 years, I've not missed much of anything from my fandom. If anything, I've benefited from not trying to be a fan. But the one thing that broke my heart in watching that is what a privilege that you all have, who are WWE fans, to be able to watch the show you love in an arena like that. A freaking ramp that goes on for days. Outdoors, I'm a sucker for outdoor shows. That platform is so grand and so big and so final. It's a shame I can't enjoy anything that happens on, on, on it. <laughs> but for one moment, I thought, my God, what would it be like to be a fan of a wrestling company and put on shows that big? And maybe one day I will be. Maybe one day AEW will be able to do that. Who knows? But, man, I just want to say I'm not, I'm not hating here. Props. If you get to enjoy a WrestleMania that looks like that and you enjoy the way they book and the matches and the feuds and all of that, take a moment to enjoy that fact. Like, snuggle up in that like a nice, nice blanket because that's a good feeling. For the match, I was impressed. It very much was a cruiserweight type match and it should be because that was the context. 
I think I've enjoyed Pac more when I've watched him on the independent scene since leaving because he wrestles some of that style, but he also kind of wrestles like a powerhouse and like a dangerous man, and he's got that bastard character down. Mm. So I think I enjoyed that more. But the thing that I saw, whether it's Austin Aries or Pac, neither of them was afraid of that stage. And if we're talking about Pac becoming a world champion, maybe, the fact that he's been on a stage like that and he's not scared of it, that's more points in his direction for building him in AEW. Absolutely so. Um, yeah, I saw this match when it first came out. Um, I, uh, By the way, part of this question is, uh, Doc saying he doesn't remember if we did it convince me on Pac. We definitely did. We did watch him on yes. the independent scene while wrestling uh, Speedball, Mike Bailey, and David Starr over in the UK. Uh, he's also been wrestling a lot in Japan, so uh, many of those matches available online. Check them out if you have not. Um my opinion on Pac from WWE uh, was very positive, particularly after the heel turn. Uh, a lot of people were very impressed with him during that time, uh, during his run as Cruiserweight Champion, which this was a part of. Uh, I do remember fearing at the time and in the context of this match that he would be very limited in how high he was able to go, case in point, this being on the pre-show, mm-hmm. and, um, and the fact that, yeah, eventually that frustration would see him sit at home rather than wrestle in WWE and now come out and really just be just be tearing the house down all over the world. So, uh, again, my respect for Pac continually goes up every time I think of that. That's very cool. Uh, this was definitely a good match with Austin Aries. I remember I was excited about that at the time. It was good, but I'm also very glad Pac is where he is now, and I think it's just going to be better for him, and it's going to be better for fans of the man who can uh, really see, I think, what he can do out here. Nothing moves me like a man with a chip on the shoulder, and that chip is ever present. Mm. I am God. I I love Pac, and I, Pac's not even someone right now that I'm like, oh, that's that's my dude. Like I, I I have this fandom attraction to him. I don't even know if I like him, but I respect him, and I damn sure pay attention when he's on my screen, and I'll start there gladly. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sick. Oh, God, I feel like this is the double or nothing episode already. <laughs> my, my my hype's through the roof, my friend. I love it. That's great. Okay, so we're going to go to the next one. This is Benjamin Button, and he asked, good question, which present or former Lucha Underground star would you like to see go to AEW? Miss Van, I said that's easy. There was this guy who started off as a loser, and he found a master, and he served this master. And then he mutilated the master. Then he became the world champion and the most over talent on the show. I would love for AEW to go out there and sign Pentagon Dark. Oh, wait, what? I'm being told, being told in my ear that they have signed Pentagon. Oh, he was that guy in that angle with the with the Young Bucks. Oh, sad. Sad. Who would I like to see? Maybe Dario Cueto would be nice. Wouldn't mind seeing him come in. I'm on the fence with him because, like, the last thing I want is a GM, so I'm halfway, like, what could he do? I would almost like for him to be a minority investor who is not a GM, but he's just like, oh, I'm just I'm just a fan, but, you know, I did invest a little bit. Every four to six weeks, I might have a suggestion for a match I'd like to see, and you'll be obligated to, you know, show me that match. But I'm just, I'm just a bystander. I'm harmless. But Dario Cueto would be nice. And also, the other person I said would if she could come in with the way I imagined her, she would already be in the conversation with the for the best and most interesting woman in the company immediately, and that's Eva Lee. Mm-hmm. So, 
anybody on that list, and I'd be happy. Mm. Uh, some very good choices there. I'm very split on Dario Cueto um, because uh, I absolutely love Dario Cueto, but I identify him so strongly with Lucha Underground. It would be almost difficult to see him come out here. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would be very happy to see him. Uh, I know he is kind of more of an actor than a wrestler, so I don't know how he would even feel about coming out and doing like live shows uh, for for the camera and everything, and uh, maybe needing to take more bumps if he was like a manager or something. I don't know. There's definitely a part of me that would love to see Dario Cueto like hiding out in plain sight from his Aztec, like, the people who want to murder him at the yeah. end of season four, and just, like, uh, you know, oh, you can't get me if I'm on national TV and I have all these wrestlers around to protect me, you know? So some sort of weird continuity, but I'm sure that's asking too much. Um, let's see, Evil East, yep, that's uh, one of the first names that came to my mind. Uh, were those the two that you threw out there? Yeah, and Pentagon Dark. And, well, yeah, I put that aside because it made me sad when you talked about it. Because yes, I would love to see that Pentagon uh, be involved. Um, but uh, let's—I'm uh, going to throw out a few more names here, and uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts because I thought of a bunch of people. You know how I love Lucha Underground. Um, I thought the most obvious answer, Mil Mortis. Um, I what a talent. Uh, so much you could do with a guy like Mil Muertes. Um, what's your thought on that? I almost wrote him down, and I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I'm also afraid that he's going to be like some mid-card jobber that I don't even know is that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like... The Pentagon factor. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, what, what's the, who's the dude that um, was the sacrifice to the god dude that I didn't even know? You know uh, just Jack Evans, you thinking of? Or, or Jeff the, Cobb? The, the, no, the, the guy who played Matanza. Jeff Cobb, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, he's awesome, but man, you know... We'll see. Anyway, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to him coming in, but I would hope they would do it right to honor, uh, keep him on the level that he's on somehow. I mean, I think you have to say that for all of these names because y- y- you don't want to bring in somebody who's just going to come and be mistreated. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. What's the thing Dario? Like all these guys are so exclusively good to Lucha Underground that it's, mm-hmm. like you fear for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Part of you wants to just leave the memories alone. No, I get it. Uh, Jeff Cobb was on my list, too. I mean, he's a guy who has had a lot of success in yes. the Honor, is having success in New Japan. If you bring him in on that level, I think there's a ton that you could do with him also. He's so good. Yeah, he's so good. For sure. Um, my personal number one answer, which I think I mentioned quite a while ago, Marty the Moth Martinez. What, if you want a character, my God, what, what, what a character this man brings to the forefront. He's a name that I would really love to see get involved, particularly because he's still, he doesn't seem to get booked that often in other places, but he deserves such a big stage to be on, I think. I think, too, he would bring out something ugly in Cody Rhodes in that Ugh. Cody seems like such a nice guy, but I think he wants everything to look just so. Mm. And I think the last thing he would want is someone behaving like that on his show, and I don't think he would handle it well. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah a crummy t-shirt, being creepy towards the yeah. ladies and everybody, and, like, licking his hand, and he's gonna, yeah, yeah. Oh, he would really get under the skin of somebody like Cody Rhodes. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, he'd be, uh, yeah, he'd be fun too. Cause I'd like to see like an exchange, just a conversation between him and this Chris Jericho. See what they mm-hmm. have to talk about. Yes, I Chris Jericho 
as agent of chaos, I can see him bringing in people like mm. Marty Martinez just to cause chaos, just to cause havoc. And uh, I, there's something really appealing about that idea. Uh, yeah, you're, you're super inclusive, Cody. <laughs> you want everybody, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I oh, promise. yeah, I love that. Jericho pushing Cody to the limit by bringing all these people. They're going to drive him nuts. Oh, and Jericho man. will spend five seconds with them, just unleash them on the show. And then yeah, he doesn't need to have anything to do with them, really. Just just let them loose. So, oh, man. Um, how about uh, Willie Mack? That's a name I would really love to see coming in. I think he's committed elsewhere for now, but maybe down the line. I, I think there's huge value in a guy like Willie Mack. He's a guy I would like to see. <laughs> I would always like to see Willie Mack. He did just sign, I think, a long-term deal with Impact, so I don't know why that was his choice, but more power to him, but that's where he is right now. Yeah, I mean, if that was his best offer, good for him. I hope he's very successful there, but uh, I don't know how long that deal is when it expires. Could be a good opportunity in AEW, because really, I think, one of the most charismatic uh, guys out there, uh, he's got a great look. He shocks you with what he can do all the time. In a company that pays a lot of tribute to Dusty Rhodes, I don't know if there's a more Dusty Rhodes guy out there right now than the Mac, and I don't say that lightly. He's got that Southern style grind to him mm-hmm. that AEW, I'm hoping, is going to be about. Like, you know, he's got a great character, yes, but he gets in there and he gets at it. And if they didn't offer him a deal, then they that that was one of their first big mistakes. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um, I'll I'll just throw out a, a few names, uh, rapid fire that I think could be good in the right circumstances. Um, Taya, Drago, Brian Cage, Johnny Mundo, uh, Azteca Jr., Ar Fox, Vibora, also known as Luchasaurus, and uh, a lot of people don't like him, but I want to throw Matt Stryker out there because I enjoy Matt Stryker and I think he could potentially be a lot of fun uh, if we have some issues in that booth, you know, which we may have. So. So we'll see. Uh, those are just some more names that, uh, if treated well, I think I would really love to see come in. I think Matt Stryker would do good with the analytics, too. Yeah, I think he really could. Yeah, he's got a mind for that kind of thing. And uh, if you've got good production, if you can kind of rein in the habits he has, which might annoy people, then, then yeah, I think there's a huge amount you could do with Matt Stryker. I'll, I also wouldn't be opposed to a hooded figure coming out and um, saying... Look, and then dragging a certain man by his over-gimmicky mask out of his tag match and saying, come back here and get whipped, because you need it, because there's something wrong with you right now, my friend. I can't watch Pentagon. I'm getting close to the fact that I'm not going to be able to see him on my TV, and that's not good for starting AEW. Yikes. The man who uh, brought you in uh, more than anyone except maybe Cody. That Yeah, that is tough to hear, but I get it. I'm sad that you're having the same experience that I have had, and I think it's worse for you because I... I can sort of just, like, turn it off. Like, I, I, I watch so much wrestling that, like, I can kind of just turn over here and, you know, I have something else to look at. But I know how important Pentagon was to you, and he was to me as well. And I, I don't want to say was, like, he can't be again. But I, I don't know if the signs are looking very good. So that, that, that is concerning. I think the thing that hurts me, and we'll talk about this, because we got to match Pentagon and Pac, but I don't know that he wants to be. Right. And that's where, that's where, like, well, we'll wait, but, man, there's some, there's some weight pressing on me right now about that. Mm-hmm. And that match against Pac just furthered it because of some of the behavior of one Pentagon in that match. But we'll get to it. Okay. Okay, great. You heard those names of Benjamin Button. Hey, so pretty much the whole fucking roster is what we, <laughs> we gave you. Yeah, I left out. You'd be surprised. I left out quite a few people. I don't think we need anyone. 
whoever walked into Lucha Underground to come over here. But that that's yeah. a that's a select ha- handful of names that I think could uh, offer a lot of value just walking in the door. So fair enough. Yeah. Um, Sir Sam, you folks know Sir Sam. Should if he, you don't, great guy. Love Sir Sam. Yeah, should if you don't. Uh, he says that um, I love this. This is my, my my favorite question because it's getting at one of the other people who is either going to save me or further disappoint me. He says, in depth, what role should Marty's girl play in AEW? And he suggests maybe an agent of chaos. And he also made my heart happy because this question came as he has just recently seen the addition of being the elite that was one of the big ones that sold me on Marty's girl. And that is New Year's when Marty's girl throws a New Year's party for the whole elite. And only Kenny Omega shows up and he's bad mouthing the whole crew. And they're standing at the table the whole time. And Marty's just gone. Marty's feeling sorry for himself. This is in the same sequence of weeks where it turns out that Marty's the only one who doesn't realize what the hell's going on. That All his friends are leaving him. And that leads to AEW, of course, but it leads to Marty Skrull walking around in a t-shirt that says, All my friends are dead. There's only one Marty Skrull that I want in AEW. It's looking like there's a potential that it may not be till fall that he comes. He is currently working New Japan Pro Wrestling and in Ring of Honor trying to find a fourth member a villain enterprise. So that's a blow to me. If it's going to be fall, but I don't care if it's going to be now or fall. All I want is for this man to come in with an FU attitude towards the elite. And I would like to see them kind of play it down. Like, no, Marty, it's good to have you here. This is how Marty behaves. Come on. You got to get past this. We'll go do this. And when they downplay him and downplay what he's feeling, they only create more. Of what he's feeling. Until Marty's girl does something. That will make it damn near impossible. For him to cross that line. Back to his friends ever again. And with this nuanced. Intimate way of telling stories. I wouldn't even mind if we see it. Whether on TV or online. That maybe he even regrets what he did. But he understands. Now it's done. And this is a man who has failed. At being a heavyweight. You failed Marty's girl. At being a heavyweight at all in. When Cody Rhodes went out there and became an NWA champion and honored his father and his family and Brandy and himself, you pitched the same narrative about being a heavyweight and you failed. You went to Ring of Honor in Madison Square Garden where it was clear Jay Lethal was going to lose the belt and the other guy is the fucking pervert, the, the broom of the match, Matt Taven, is wide open for you to become the heavy. Weight champion, and you failed. Then you go wrestle Nick Aldis, and you make the push, and you make the claims, and you compromise the friendship. You and Nick Aldis could have been wrestling PCO and Brody King in the main event for the Crockett Cup, but you wanted the heavyweight title, and you wrestled Nick Aldis, and you failed. And you want to run a stable, and now you're talking about, oh, I guess I'm a junior weight, I'll wrestle this junior weight tournament. You don't want to be a junior weight. You want to be a heavyweight, but you failed. And I think the only way to ever not fail is to do something 
so villainous that you might not recognize yourself. And that is what I want to see from Marty Skrull if and when he comes to AEW. Yeah, um, you don't say your friends are dead if you're keen to reunite with them. Uh, you say they're dead if they are <laughs> dead to you. Uh, you know, so any thought of him coming back in and uh, just being friendly and joining the elite, I don't need that. I don't need to see it. If it happens, I will be not just disappointed, but hurt, honestly, because uh, that is not the story that I see unfolding right now. Um, have him come in, have him do all that you said, have him be that agent of chaos, that agent of, uh, of hurt and betrayal, lashing back. But when he comes in, please make it with nuance, make it with context. Mm. He doesn't just have a blind hatred. It's not like he was never friends with these people. Yes. He's only reacting this way because he was hurt to be abandoned, uh, because he felt like he was dead to them before they were dead to him. Uh, and I would like to see eventually, a long time away, a reconciliation, something to bring them back together in an organic way, because, uh, yeah, it was sad, that episode, you know, it was kind of silly too, but it, it was sad, you yeah. know, and they all kind of walked away from him, and he didn't even really quite understand mm -hmm. what was going on, so you, you need uh, to bring that full circle eventually, but I think there's a lot of road to travel before we get there, and that, that's a good road to travel down. I like it a lot. Marty's girl plays wounded well. Mm. And they need to capitalize on that. And and we have no reason not to think it, because they're the ones that gave us the storyline that we're telling them that they need to hold on to. Right. So I think that we'll get that. I hope that we'll get that. And, again, we're talking about potentially, and we're talking best-case scenario. We're talking about sports-centric, legit. Cody Rhodes, or I can't remember who it was, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, Tony Khan said, you may never, you, Jim Ross maybe, you may never see a scripted promo that – Back in the day, it was like, here's how many minutes, and here's where you're trying to go. Now go out there and do it. Mm. And what I will say about that is that legitimacy baked into the structural cake. Is, is it pro wrestling? Is it sports entertainment? That's not the question. The question is, which words are you holding up, and what does that mean? Mm. I saw a quote the other day, and it was a nice quote. Every story builds a world. So what does the world that your fandom is in, what does it look like? It tells you what kind of stories. What kind of stories are you telling? It tells you what kind of world you're in. And if we're going to be in a world where the language is going to get tight, the competitiveness is going to get tight, the, the drama, the challenge is going to get tight, I do want to see a reconciliation one day, but we don't know. You throw these all, all these guys in to heated feuds for a year, year and a half, some of them might reconcile, but that group may not. That group may not stay intact. Even all of them might not be the elite as we know them. True. So that's what I'm excited because Adam Page. I don't think the man deserves to be a world champion, but he won't stop talking about being the face of the company. Mm -hmm. What does that mean for Kenny Omega? What does that mean for Cody Rhodes? What does that mean for Maurice Girl? You can't all be that. And in a world of wins and losses, and we keep track of it, what does it mean? Imagine Marty Skrull getting close to the top, and he's lost to Okada, and he's lost to Nick Aldis, and he's lost in that three-way dance. And then what if that loss is Kenny Omega or Cody Rhodes? It's almost 
a weird kind of child abuse. I don't mean that disrespectfully to Marty's girl, but there's so many ways that these these problems, these wounds are going to get compounded that you all you almost if he comes in the way I envision him, you can't lay down and let him destroy you because that's more insulting than than being in a feud with the guy. But then if you beat the guy on top of everything you've done to him, like you almost destroy him. And now we got people having their characters and their livelihoods almost destroyed. So there's just... There are wounds that it's going to be hard to come back from, and I like that in my pro wrestling. Indeed. Indeed. A lot of potential there. Okay, good stuff. We'll call this guy Mr. 67 for today, because I don't know how he wants his name. All right, Case, so. Cass, yeah, I don't know. I gotta say, I, I, I love, uh, I to say, uh, Cass, um, become one of my favorite people, really, to talk to recently, so he engages a lot, watches a lot of the videos that we put out there, follows along, uh, so shout out to this new fan, and please message me on how to pronounce your name, because I don't know at all, so that... Yeah, please know. do. <laughs> yeah, you know, awesome. This this dude has gone back and he is watching. He's listening to every episode that he missed, and so like he's talking to us about questions now based on going back and listening to the first six episodes mm-hmm. of our show. And and this one this tells you he's been listening because he says, "Whose character story are you most excited to see mature in AEW?" He says, "Either pick one male and one female, or one Pentagon and one someone not Pentagon." <laughs> so he has been listening. Uh, yes, and also, qu- before we go further, uh, I do believe he is a she, so also okay. uh, something we can we can switch around there. Um, apologies if I'm wrong about that also, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, clearly a close listener, and uh, I love the questions that we've gotten here. You are, you are a favorite right now, because if I get invested in a show or a podcast, this is what I would do as well. I would go back and listen. And there's nothing wrong with it if you don't, because I think more people than not would not expect, okay, I'm on this ride now, and it's cool enough that you're listening. But that's how I would be, too. So when I see that in someone, I'm like, yes, fucking awesome. I like you as a listener and probably as a human being. So <laughs> we're going to do this. We're going to answer your question. I'll let Ms. Van go first this time, because the whole nuance, and I might be overreading of see mature in AEW made this question really hard for me. Mm. Yeah, it could mean a few different things. Uh, I took it as someone who already is coming in with some kind of uh, character, some kind of ability, but it can uh, kind of grow further. Um, so uh, my first choice for the guys would be a guy we've already talked about a lot, <clears throat> and that would be uh, MJF, who I think will get a lot of talk on this show as we go forward. Uh, this is a guy who already comes in with kind of a mature character, not in that he acts in a mature way, but then he's already pretty well developed. But to me, I see where MJF is at. It's almost a starting point. It's a great starting point. It's one that I think you can progress with a long ways, but I think there's also going to need to be more as we go down the line. Uh, Shane and I have already talked about, you know, um, interactions he could have with Chris Jericho and how that could affect his relationship he has with Cody and how weird that relationship seems to be already. What's his relationship to the rest of the elite? What's his relationship to a lot of different things? How will he succeed? How will he fail? This is a guy who has built up this character 
over the course of a lot of different uh, independent promotions. And, uh, you know, he's had some stories and stuff, but I don't know if he's ever been exposed to this kind of continuous storytelling that we want to see. And if they're telling stories right, that's going to demand growth from these characters. And uh, MJF, he could grow. Who knows? Eventually he could be a better person. He could be a worse person. He could do a lot of different things. But there's such a rich character arc waiting for MJF. So that, that was my first thought for the guys. That's, I think who I'm going to be most invested in watching uh, grow and change over the course of this promotion. There is a weird uh, moment in the latest being the elite. Uh, One week, I think uh, the women were doing a photo shoot by the pool. Mm. This week we have MJF and, uh, and Cody Rhodes at the pool and MJF is, kind of manning the camera, he's far away, while Cody's in the background trying to do these, like, awesome jumps. And they're high-fiving. And I'm just waiting at the end for MJF to let on, like, why are you so excited about this? This is stupid. I'm mocking you. You're an idiot. And to the end, he does not do that. So either, this is how good the storytelling already is, that they'll keep the nuance. I don't know if we don't see him mocking because he has learned better that you can't do that on the camera or if part of him cares about Cody Rhodes. And that's a, we talked about this through text. We had a really good conversation. It it was, it's going to hurt me if MJF truly betrays Cody Rhodes, because right now I do think there's something. And the more that he goes around the locker room talking about, he's taking advantage of Cody Rhodes. The more I believe that he actually likes something about that relationship and, Obviously, probably doesn't want to like something about it, but maybe does. Mm. And that, oh man, come on. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and say before the men, I just, I got so many. Like, I just to make the point of how good. You're gonna get tired of this. <laughs> you are. I apologize, but how good storytelling is and what it does for individuals when it's based in good individual storytelling is. This is not my answer. But Chris Jericho is maturing in AEW. Like, this is another character, another growth, another creation. So your veteran of veterans is maturing. So what does that mean for the roster? I want to see the, the maturation of Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I don't know where the hell he's going. He might be the most respected man ever for me. Off screen and on screen, or his character might go in a direction where I say I'm only here legit because of his vision, but this character, like I can't, I can't get with this character. Mm. I don't know which way. Darby Allen. Yeah. Darby yeah. Allen. I was gonna has, speak on him too. <laughs> okay, so I won't say much, but he has a backstory that's powerful, and I can see him just being a surface guy in the wrong hands, where I can see him having one of the great character arcs and stories of the century, uh, the decade, the century. Of pro wrestling, he could get in there and do it. We've already talked Marty's girl, Pac, John Moxley. If he shows up, the only way I want to see John Moxley is, is if we see a lot of maturation. Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell Dean Ambrose is. The end. When you talk about certain characters, and we're trying to talk about rich storytelling, that's like a marble, a marble figure, and it cracks and breaks, and there's nothing there. So a lot of guys. I'd like to see Pentagon stop maturing. <laughs> stop caring what everybody thinks and do what made you the top wrestler in the best storytelling company in the world at one time come on 
So all of those, I, I said a lot also because MJF would have been my pick and I figured it'd be, you know, another. <laughs> we're, we're very much on the same page about MJF, I think. Uh, yes. Yeah, although a lot of those guys occurred to me as well. Cody, Jericho, uh, Pentagon, I think all rich opportunities. Uh, there's some guys who, to me, seem not mature at all, who I would like to see more from. Kenny Omega is one we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. who I, st- I don't I, I don't know what his character is, except, like, Doofus, who is really good at <laughs> wrestling, you know? If that's a character, I guess that's a place to start from, but, like, I would like to see more maturing, you know, beyond just, like, oh, I'm going to use a move that another Bullet Club guy used, and, like, to me, that's not character, that's not really story, that's at best that's like a reference and it could be a clever reference but that's a different thing in my opinion um so yeah i'd like to see something more there the guy who very possibly could be carrying the company and he's got to carry it to a place where i want to watch it so that's on him uh like i said yeah darby allen i think is one of the richest possibilities in the company and i'll say they're serious about letting guys drive their own development I think just from those few videos that he produced that we watch, we know that he's got a lot of potential to do just that. Um, So, yeah, I want to see a lot from him. A guy who, based on just his creative output in the past, who could mature not just for himself but for others as well, possibly, is Joey Janela, um, who has a very good grasp on his own character, and it is a certain kind of thing. I don't know where it can go. I feel like it could go some interesting ways or it could just kind of be what it is, but I think he could also be a big influence on others, you know, kind of the videos that he's helped produce, the creative ideas that he's had. He could be a very good influence uh, on a broader scale. So I don't know. There's a lot of interesting possibilities uh, on the men's side, I think. I will say really quick two things. I wish Jim Ross would start to have human feelings again or ever. (laughs) Or ever, yeah. If if he could do that, that would be nice. And also (laughs) – when you're naming names, something about Pac and Darby Allen. Yeah, Pac. Thank you for bringing him up. These two, uh, to me, have both already done more legwork than a lot of guys um, on this roster. Yes, thank you. That That's one of my chief problems with AEW. I'm very excited about it, but a lot of these guys have really had no character development yet. And I don't know if that's on them or if that's on the company or what, but that's something I do need to see more of for sure. AEW starts on May 25th, sir. Yes, you're right. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> but like you said, the people who have run ahead yes. uh, have just, they've captured me a lot more than those who haven't. So it is possible to get that ball rolling and the sooner the better, really. Okay, I want to talk about the women. What do you have for us? Um, this was mm, a little tougher, I'll say. Looking over the women, there's a lot that I like, but there's a lot that I'm just not sure what their potential is for storytelling. Because um, with women, uh, a lot of what you see, it, it's it's a newer thing, uh, especially in America, to have like a really well-fleshed-out women's division. Um, so I, I'm just curious to sit back and see some of the character stuff that these women can do. Uh, I will say, no, Allie has a lot of character potential. I talked about when we did her introduction, she's been a lot of different characters already, and she's really owned all of them. So I think as far as maturing as a character goes, I really want to see what she sinks her teeth into. Um, Brandy Rhodes has already been an interesting character. Again, I don't need to see her as champion, but I want her to see doing something. Um, Leva Bates, Penelope Ford, they've shown some uh, character stuff. In the past, Kylie Ray has a deceptively simple character, I think, that will have to go through some kind of changes 
as it goes along, but uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, there's a lot of ways it could go. So I'll say Allie as the one I'm most interested to watch from a character perspective. Uh, but uh, it could be a lot of people who stand out, I think. She's been given a big profile for for this kind of Brandy Road story. Yeah, so. yeah. So clearly they know they can do something with her, and that that's encouraging to me. I will say this. I see Smiley Kylie and mm. Dr. Britt Baker as being on opposite ends of the continuum. Mm. And both of them need to move at times. So I want to see what happens when Kylie really gets punched in the mouth and life is not good. Are you still smiley? Is that legit? If that's legit part of who she is, that's kind of cool because we kind of look down on that. Like, you can't be that. You need to be strong. You need to be strong. Strong looks like this. So I like that. And I also like that when she comes off of that, that's going to be scary because, mm. you know, it's a little unsettling. Yeah. And then Britt Baker reminds me of the opposite. Like, she's, she's got it all together. She's got it all thought through. She knows who she is. She knows what she does. She's a thinker, thinker, thinker. Well, that's good. But logic only takes you so far. So what happens when you get punched in the mouth? What happens when your plans don't come to be? Um, what happens when maybe you, yeah, you did a PhD and pro wrestling at the same time, but it looks like you're never going to make it on this stage? What, what do we see from you? And then the biggest one I want to see, again, like I said earlier, I want to see AEW mature. I don't care if uh, some of these women from Japan speak English or not. I don't care what they, they can. I want them to be fucking characters with stories. Yeah. yeah. Because I love watching the stuff we watch. That's where right now my heart and my hope is because the one the, the matches we watched from Japan, I think partly it was the Ajakan convinced me. Yeah. But they were getting after it. Mm-hmm. And if you can also make them characters, then you will have me for the first time in my life as excited about a women's division. I want to be, but for me, it's not just saying, "Oh, it's a revolution" because it's a revolution. <laughs> right, right. Show don't tell. No, I'm yeah, all about I, that. For I sure. want to see them get at it. Like I said, I, I'm as excited. Like Aja Kong is some mix of Pentagon Invader for me, and if you know me, that that's not a small statement. So. And then I, I'm blanking on her name. I was going to write them all down, but I'll get back to you after that six man, but our six woman matchup. Because mm. if you can, if you can, if you make them characters and give them the same playing field as the as the women who are already here, mostly I think born in, in America, then we got a whole different conversation about who maybe should be running this division. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I think the potential there is huge, and uh, I'm encouraged by what they've done so far. I-, I can't wait to see what they put together. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, we're excited about all of it. Um, Zanman, another old head in the game, knows his pro wrestling. He asks, how long would you build to Cody and Jericho? And one thing I keep hearing mentioned, and this might be where you you fall, but it's not for me. It's um, I wanted to go past. I hear I keep hearing fight for the fallen. Mm, no, that's not, like, <laughs> that's not me. That's not me you're hearing for sure. Uh, okay, because I don't know what you're gonna do because I don't know what these shows. I, I'm hoping fight for the fallen is it, not gonna be a forty nine dollar pay per view, but. That's neither here nor there. But that's I can't their imagine. Out. It's in like a much smaller space, yeah. and it's like kind of a benefit show. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's going to be the same kind of thing. Yeah, so, I, so you can't have that. Cody and Jericho. I can't fully answer the question because, number one, we already talked about this. I don't know how the world title is going to be determined. I don't know where what we want, how we want to promote early days of TV. I don't know what pay-per-view is coming after TV, but I do know this feud should exceed that October date. 
these men are in a feud that they don't even need to be together to be in. They don't need to address each other. When Chris Jericho talks about his vision for AEW, every word he says is offensive to Cody Rhodes. When Cody Rhodes talks about his vision for AEW, every word he says is offensive to Chris Jericho. Hmm. This is not baby league storytelling. This is not, I am mad at you and you're mad at me because you won the world title last night and my music hit while you were talking and I came out and it looks like we're dancing for the next three weeks. It's not that. This is our ideologies don't match. This is... The only reason I'm in AEW as Chris Jericho is just in case it takes off and makes history, that's one more feather in my cap. Mm. And Cody Rose can't live with that because he can smile and he can have his cane and he can have his dog and he can play that role. But he doesn't get to have a legacy for his own company as long as Chris Jericho's around. So every move these two make it's an offense to each other. And how long could that go? A long, long time. How long should it go? How long should it build? A long, long time. But it should not come to pass. I don't think they should even have a match, I'm saying, until we are into TNT and AEW. Yeah, uh, context is going to be king with this, and yeah, I think you can stretch this out a long ways, potentially. I would say certainly no earlier than, and we don't even know for sure that this will happen uh, at this time, but uh, the the buzz is all in two in September. That's the earliest possible time, I would think, about doing this match, yes. and I want to stipulate it would definitely be a first match. I don't think things would end there with one match. I think this conflict is too rich to end uh, in just one confrontation. So if you do it then or if you stretch it out further, either way, I don't think it's going to be one and done. This is shaping up to be the central conflict of AEW, uh, and that's very cool. And I think there's a lot you can do about this. I think another question references this, and there's a lot more I could say about it, but I'll just say I want to see this feud be more about more than just these two men. This is two ideologies, if anything, mm -hmm. and I think there's a ton of moving pieces that can and should get involved here. Yeah. I don't even know what John Moxley, for example, like, is, is he, does he represent Cody Rhodes and AEW? Is he represent, like, all these, this is where stories like, everybody in some way represents one or the other, even if they're never involved in the storyline. Right. Kenny Omega clearly represents Cody Rhodes. But Jericho, like we said, I think Jericho, he's already, like, he's fucking, we're talking about him bringing in people just to, like, mess with Cody. He's trying to pull the young bucks, you know? <laughs> that's that's where his head is. Yeah. You know, and I, I forgot about, I would gladly take an all-in two matchup, but like you said, I think the matchup should do nothing but make things ten times worse than it was. Mm, for before. sure. The way I see it, yeah, the battle here is Cody and the Elite and all them are saying, we built this house. And Jericho and anybody on his side is saying, this house was built for you. Um, yeah. And that, it's just so rich with possibility. I want to see so much more of this stuff. It is so, like, and that's what, we've been talking about this. We didn't, we didn't jump up and down about Dustin Rhodes at first being the opponent, or nor did some of some of the response. But at the same time, again, 
when you're disrespecting the attitude there, whether people that excites people or not, to Chris Jericho, that would be another slight on his legacy. You know, so everything you're saying, again, everything you're saying is offensive to me, and everything I'm saying is offensive to you. And yes, in some ways, Jericho is doing it on purpose. He wants it to be offensive. But the worst part is Cuddy Rose is not. Cuddy Rose is just trying to be sincere and be good to everybody, and that still angers Jericho. That's how deep this already is. So let's do it. Let's do it. Man, let it let it go till till the wheels fall off. Whew, okay. Um, I'm going to jump into this question after I ask it. So, okay. CB Mac, um, the king of babyface privilege, <laughs> ask, I would love for the, I'd love, I've asked for years, is this like just the nicest human being who sometimes doesn't know better, or is this a Vince Russo loving troll sent? <laughs> To destroy my life, raise my blood pressure, and make me break things in my room, and I keep on getting closer and closer to the ladder. <laughs> blood pressure rising. We're you know, he, back again. Yeah. He doesn't even ask a question. He just asserts. <laughs> I would love for the both of you to discuss why MJF is the personification of hashtag heel privilege. Well, CB Mac, thank you for your question, and I have two responses for you. The first reason might be because he's a confident young man who knows who he is and believes in what he does and he doesn't go around apologizing to everybody and being manipulated and maybe that's offensive to you. I don't know. Number two, how about this? He's a guy in a wrestling company and he's new and he's vulnerable and he doesn't know what his spot on the roster is and he's expected to be best friends with the power structure hierarchy and boss and if he does what everybody in the world does and talks about his boss in any context, his boss has super hearing abilities and hears it and punishes him. Is that his heel privilege? Is that what you're talking about? Let me, in case I'm not being clear, there's no such thing as heel privilege. Heels are heels because they don't have privilege. By the very definition of good guy and bad guy, who do you think is privileged, the person we call good guy or the person we call bad guy? Okay, that's my, that's my answer. <laughs> uh, I would say this sounds like something uh, a privileged babyface would say. This yes. is a kind of uh, statement, non-question, that we might get from uh, someone who already already had the answer in their mind. It's not really asking for our input. <laughs> um, uh, I would just say MJF. Is such an old school heel, and I love him for it every minute. So uh, if that's heel privilege, then I guess I love heel privilege. So there you go. It's the kind I'm not, not going to get sucked back into that debate. Yeah, I love you, CB Mag, but you got to know the answers by now. <laughs> yeah, he just wants to uh, raise our blood pressure. So thank you for the nostalgic uh, health problems. It was very nice. Yeah, after I saw that, I was legit looking to see if there was a question. Um, do you think at some point AEW will hire Vince Russo? Or what happens if Vince Russo comes in? <laughs> oh, uh, credit to CB Mac. He doesn't... Uh... <sighs> no, I don't know. Who knows what CB Mac would do? I don't put anything past him. Alright, we're, we're done. We're good. <laughs> Blood pressure returning. Yep. Woo! Okay, so Doc asked, and this is a good one. This is a very good one. He says... He sees Moxley as a viable champion, 
and he wants to know uh, our opinion on that. Yeah, I want to read the whole thing. Um, okay. uh, something to mull over. I think Moxley is a viable option for the first AEW champion. He's got WWE cash, and he was never utilized to his peak potential as a top guy. So he doesn't have the same kind of WWE guy stigma like Jericho does. He can be the sort that offers the good side of having been a WWE performer for years because many feel he's the right promotional strategy away from being fully unleashed. He's also Mm. still quite young, and he's versatile enough in the ring to work with anyone they've got to throw at him. So I feel a little bit strongly about this question. I'm going to throw it out here. Um, Is Moxley a viable champion? Sure, of course. People know who he is. They're excited about him. He does have the experience. All the good things that you said about him are true, more or less, in my opinion. But if you think that Jericho has more WWE stigma in 2019 than Dean Ambrose does, I think you're fooling yourself because Jericho has spent the last few years establishing that he is still a huge star without any help from WWE, without any input from them. He's been out there creating his own characters, his own hype. He's been over in New Japan having great matches that people thought he couldn't have anymore. He's been creating this character, which is his richest work in years. Dean Ambrose has never really been anything without WWE. And I say that, I like John Moxley. I like kind of some of the really old stuff that you can dig up. But this is not a guy, you know, he was not like on top of Ring of Honor or any other really well-known company. You know, he was working deathmatch stuff in like CZW. He was not, he's from a different kind of world of independent wrestling, from kind of a different level. And I don't say that to like slam on his talent. It's just a fact Um, He is young. He does have the reputation of being underused. But what I need to see is that he needs to show me that he can do something on his own, that he's motivated and creative enough still to go out and do something that will impress me before I can even really consider him as an option personally for the first AEW champion. Uh, He may well prove very quickly that he is prepared for that role. But I am not going to give him so much benefit of the doubt that I think he can come in and do it on day one because he may be burnt out. He may be just at a different time in his life where he can't draw on what made him exciting many years ago. He may not find himself happy in AEW. He may not find it to be a good fit. He may struggle being out on his own. It is possible. We just don't know. So I, I can't really agree with this. I see where you are coming from. I also think if you take this exact same statement and replace John Moxley with Pac, then maybe we actually have more of a conversation. So that that is my opinion going out on this question. I absolutely get where you're coming from. Mm. Um, I think I, I answered this with a couple of maybe kind of what you're doing. There needs to be some things understood or figured out up front. And I don't know if they do focus groups. I don't know if they have a way of gauging audience response. I'm going to put my fear up front first, and then I'm going to put... I can see him potentially being a good first world champion, but it would take a lot of things falling in line. So number one, from a PR standpoint, 
you have to make sure that the response is not going to be a universal pro wrestling response of, oh, these guys are the alternative to WWE and their first world champions, the WWE guy. Hmm. Like, that's not a good look if that is what the prevailing narrative is, if that what comes out of the win. Hmm. In that way, to me, it's partly up to AEW and John Moxley. I don't think it would take long, and I'm talking maybe one or two nights, to know what John Moxley can or cannot do. And so we may be finding out at double or nothing because I have been feeling, I think everyone's been feeling, and the young bucks have alluded to it and others have alluded to it, that there's some surprises coming. They're not giving us everything right now. And the easy circulation names are John Moxley, CM Punk, and uh, Marty Skrull. CM Punk looks like he's either not associated or it will be later on. Uh, Marty Skrull looks like it's going to be later on. So who do we have? We have John Moxley. So we might be finding out soon. But I will say, if he can be John Moxley to the point that people's narrative is not, oh, they're using another WWE guy. But the narrative is, this is what I wanted the whole time, but WWE wouldn't use him like they should. Then you got something. And what I like about him potentially being a champion, if he were, is I am still kind of wanting personally a spoiler. Someone who comes in and like, why are you even here? This was supposed to be Kenny Omega's moment or Cody Rhodes' moment, but they don't get that immediately. And I talked about Pentagon and we talked about Pac, but I really want that wild card spoiler. So could it be John Moxley? It could be. He shouldn't be guaranteed it. He shouldn't even be. There shouldn't be a straight line to it. Right. I need to hear him speak. I need to feel what his character is going to feel like. I don't want to feel jeans and a tank top WWE promo. I don't want that. But if he can get in his tortured bag and he can really have something to prove. Because the fact is, Dean Ambrose. You have underachieved with your career. Congratulations, you made a lot of money, and you were big on the WWE stage, but everybody knows what you were really about. And WWE did not let you do it, and you tapped out kind of like a little bitch, in my humble opinion. You turned me off when, when, when I put all my goodwill in front of you. If that makes you feel any way like it makes me feel, then we got something. So I wouldn't say no because I really do want a spoiler in some ways just because I can't I can't say put the belt on Kenny Omega because I know it would make some people happy. But right now he's not character enough for me to be that guy. And I don't want it on Cody Rhodes. Not if they do it right. I wouldn't say no to it. But I who are the guys that you're going to want to see hold it eventually? And do you want to give that away up front? So my response if is so weird. If you say the words Dean Ambrose immediately, I say, no, I'm repulsed. I just threw up in my mouth. But if there is a more seasoned, mature version of John Moxley, who can also be in, like I said, in his tortured bag, and he can make me feel that, and I don't in any way feel like this is the man that was just in WWE, then I'm ready. To, I'll be willing to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, I will just say, uh, if it's a choice... Between Kenny Omega and 
the Dean Ambrose, like you said, that we're afraid of, you know, just kind of like the WWE guy rehashed in a new setting, then I'll choose Omega, honestly. You know, I've got my problems with him, but uh, I think thematically he's way better for the health of the company. Then, I will say Omega by a mile because yeah. Omega's earned this. Um, here's the thing, and this is it doesn't matter which side of this we're on. You're on, I'm on. John Moxley has not earned shit in AEW. Right. Kenny Omega has. Like the place exists because of a handful of people. Mm-hmm. So, I'm saying again, I'm not saying no to it, but you better from day one, from minute one, from second one. The moment I see you, I better not feel WWE. I better not feel laziness. I better not feel no stiff. Uh, character, and the moment I hear you, I won't. You better take me somewhere. And if you can do that, and if, if the, like I said, if the narrative could be, oh my God, WWE wasted this guy, and this is the, this is a man who's part of the Shield and some of the biggest legacy of the last two days, and WWE wasted this guy. Mm. If that's the narrative, then we have a conversation. Uh, for sure. Um, and like you said, I think. I just need to see first, you know, I got to put my, my fingers in the sides of the wounded John Moxley. Um, <laughs> That's a biblical <laughs> reference, folks, and it's a good one. There you go. There you go. Yeah, show me that first. And, yeah, if you sell me on that, I mean, who didn't love the, the Dean Ambrose of, like, uh, 2011, 2012, who, you know, was cutting these promos, and there was the Foley thing that didn't go anywhere, and the Regal mm. matches, which are some of my favorite matches anywhere, from that era, so, so steeped in, like, great story and character, all this stuff, like, yeah, if there's some progression of that, if you take the good elements of Dean Ambrose over the years, that's great, but if you just take Dean Ambrose because he was in the WWE and he was a champion one time and he was in the Shield and, you know, all this stuff, that's not for me. I almost think the first champion needs to be someone who has never wrestled with WWE, um... Because the biggest thing, yeah, they need to be wary of, I think, is they need to be far away from, like, the TNA effect, you know, honestly, where just they're taking guys from WWE, and I don't even necessarily agree that this is true, but it's the perception, and perception is reality sometimes. You can't just take guys who bailed on the WWE and give them your championship when they walk in the door. You just can't do it. It's going to kill perception of your brand, so... So, yeah, I don't know. That's just my feeling. Um, who knows? Yeah, like, it could go any number of ways. Could John Moxley be the guy? Yes, absolutely he could. He's got a lot of upside uh, that Doc talked about, that we've talked about. But I am very wary of it, and my instinct is no, it's not what I want to see. Not for the cool. first champion, I'll say that. I'm not going to – I refuse to say yes or no to it. Okay. But but you got me about as close to a no with that argument as you as, as I'm going to get. <laughs> All right, cool. Because – As always, context is king. If they sell me a different way, that's one thing. But, yeah, I'm very worried. I'm trying to find my um, Young Bucks quote. I guess I, I X'd out of that screen, but, man – so yeah, this, and this is this is again the where I start, I didn't say it as well as you said it, but this is where I started. If that like you got to, you got to have some kind of team that can make an educated guess about whether the narrative is going to be oh they like I said they claim to be an alternative and look at their world champion it's fucking Dean Ambrose <laughs> like that cannot be your they, this is I wouldn't want to be them for anything in this world because 
there's so many more ways to fail right now than to, than to succeed. True. And I can't find it. I'll try to find it before the show's over. But the, the level that the Young Bucks came out, and I don't, know, I don't even know if I agree with this extreme, but the level of like how they played off on the, being an alternative, I'd like to put that into the conversation about what we're talking about because mm. there, I think there might be some fans that are disappointed. And again, it's, uh, it's got to be... What, what if he comes in and he just feels like uh, like he never was in WWE? True. You know, so I don't know, but I think they got to be weary. And I don't know if Doc listened to our show when we talked about Jericho or if he's just speaking from his own, but he referenced kind of what we said about Jericho and that we also worry about Jericho for the same reason. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's some issue there as well. And I don't know for sure if I'd want him as the first champion for similar reasons. But I will say again what I said before. Jericho has spent the last couple years distancing himself, doing that legwork, doing everything to be Chris Jericho, the wrestler, not Chris Jericho, you know, the WWE lifer. Um, And he's really distanced himself a long way. So it's a bit of a different feel. There's still some worry there, but he's a different type of guy. And I'll just stress again. Jericho having WWE stigma is way less of a problem than Dean Ambrose having WWE stigma. Because right now, that's all Dean Ambrose is. He is only WWE. His time doing anything apart from the company is so far away and so different than anything he has done for years that it, it's hardly the same person when you watch them. So, so show me first, then we'll talk about, you know, if we have the right context for John Moxley to be a contender for the first AEW champion. Yeah. I can tell you, I might not be able to tell you for sure, but I can tell you a lot better when I when I see him as a part of AEW. For sure. And also, mm-hmm. even if I got to the point, Doc, that I was willing to say make him the first champion, I don't want to have a conversation that a guy who hasn't even stepped foot into AEW deserves to be their first world champion. Mm. Get out there and fucking earn it. Because to me, I saw you as WWE champion. I saw you at the top of WWE. And like I said, to me, you tapped out. Like, I have never been more ashamed than watching that Steve Austin podcast with him. Mm. And it was just a great surrender. And you don't have alternatives that are anywhere close to that level. So you're not just surrendering for Dean Ambrose. You're surrendering for a lot of people who are holding on through you. And that was not a good look. So if that man wants it, get out there and prove it. How hungry are you? I hope you've been in that prison and not eating, because I need to just show up hungry, mm. sir. Okay, so here we go. Number eight in our performers. This is Ryan Evans, I believe, as well. Yes. Yeah, so he, he gave us a matchup. TNT Extreme Wrestling, um, Pac yeah. versus Pentagon, and wanted to know our thoughts. Yeah, a uh, match, I believe, out in the UK, uh, I think. I'm actually yeah. not even really familiar with this promotion, but, yeah, I think it must be uh, for what they said. So um, I already kind of know your feelings on this. I want to throw out mine as well. They're probably similar. I liked some aspects of this in terms of kind of the wrestling they did and what they did in there, but I also disliked it because this was very much the bad Pentagon. This is the taunt, tell someone beats me up Pentagon. It's the, I'm going to tap out at the end of the match, Pentagon. It's the, I'm going to play your game because I forgot how to play my game, Pentagon. Um, Really good action. I thought Pac was very on point. I was impressed with him. But it really bothers me that this is now kind of Pentagon's default mode. And like you said, maybe even the way that he wants to be or maybe the way he has learned 
to be like it's more important to pop the crowd in the short term with your taunts and kind of just like trying to do the big moves and uh, kind of foregoing that character and that aura, which really is what attracted us to him in the first place. If I was watching this match and did not know better, I would say my response would have been, I really want to watch this guy Pac, but this guy he's wrestling is ruining the match for me. Mm, that's such a sad thing. The announcer's a luchador channeling a samurai. Uh, yeah. He's got more gimmicks on him. Like He's got more things hanging off his head and body than he's ever had before. And this is the first thing that I said is in Lucha Underground, he was a pentagon that few, if any, could be. Elsewhere, he is a character that most, if not all, could be. You could put someone else under the mask, and he wouldn't even have to wrestle because it's, it's so fleshed out. Like I could go, you know, I know everything he's gonna do before he does it. Yeah. And then you you, you tie that to just it's hard for me to watch wrestling. I don't know how AEW is gonna be, but it's so cringy to me at some point with the obnoxious, unearned extrovert privilege that goes on in the wrestling audience in these shows. Like, do you even want to watch the match? Like, how much of that bullshit is what makes the Pentagons the Pentagons? Because everybody needs to have a, a song. They need to have a... They need to... Ref, like, you can't have an exchange in the match without the fans being part of it. This should be Pac and... Pac and Pentagon shouldn't be aware that there's a crowd out there when they do battle. So I need to, I need this man to sober up. I need him to get, to get off this stuff. It's, it's Vampiro. The, the Vampiro character... So right, he pissed me off in Lucha Underground when he would talk about he's playing to the crowd again and just get so pissed. Like get over yourself. He's the fucking world champion. He's made it. But I apologize. I am on the side of the mentor and I am not on the side of Pentagon. Mm. Like get over yourself, man. You have become you have made yourself a gimmick that anyone can be when before that you were a personality that nobody else could match. Mm. Yeah. He definitely feels like a guy who has lost his way, at least as far as uh, what we have been looking for. Um, I really like what you said. It feels like, yeah, what he's doing now, you know, it does kind of feel like anybody could do it, you know, with the catchphrases and uh, kind of a lot of the very similar moves that he does. And I don't know. Yeah, it's just really different than it used to be. And it does make me a bit sad. Um, I don't really care if the fans want to sing, if they want to try to be part of it. But, yeah, if Pentagon, the problem is, yeah, the way he engages them. Um, So, yeah. He's in every exchange with them. He might as well be sitting in the fucking front row with them. (laughs) He shushes them because they're singing, but but now it's time to do a different song, you know. (laughs) Like, Pac is in the ring with you, and you're both cold-blooded killers. Get to killing. And stop playing games. Yeah. I still think the worst thing that ever happened to Pentagon is, uh, yeah, getting involved with mm-hmm. the Lucha Brothers against the Young Bucks because I think he picked up so many wrong lessons, or at least wrong to my fandom, uh, from that experience because he is a different kind of wrestler. His appeal is different than theirs, and uh, I feel like it's been almost totally lost at times, and that, that does make me sad. But I, if I was working this world, the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks have the map for this culture and this fan base because you need 
to engage the fans like that. You, like that's how you sell the T-shirts. That's how why, how you're booked on every show. So maybe at minimum, it's a strategy to survive when you're all over the place. And maybe being in AEW, you don't need to do as much because you got your contract. But the but what what he needs to understand if he doesn't. Is for a lot of people to have that many gimmicks and have that crowd reaction. I would pat him on the back and say, "By God, you got a lot farther than you should have, and keep on doing it." <laughs> but you're not that guy. You already made it, and you made it in a way that they can't. Did Pentagon even watch Lucha Underground? <laughs> Man, okay. I have watched a little bit of that match. It, um. So, but thanks for sending that. Brian, um, we got a few more matches to talk about. Real quick, I'm going to read you this. This is what um, Nick Jackson, well, this is what Matt actually added about being looking different and feeling different as an alternative in AEW. He says, it's got to be shot different. Whatever they do, we have to do the opposite. If that means they have a PG type of show, we have a more edgy type of show. Our matches should look different, and the things we do in the matches should be different. Our stories should be different. They should be more complex. Now, I don't know if I fully agree with like, like well, let's just be the opposite of WWE because then WWE determines you. If they if they change tomorrow, then do you flip? But the point of that is, the case that they're making to the wrestling audience is we're going to be different in all these ways. We're going to be an alternative, and they have to figure out, be it Jericho or Moxley what the backlash or not would be if they start out with a world champion who is a WWE guy. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, okay. I mean, um, it's, uh, like you said, you don't want to be dictated so much. Like, it's got to be shot different. Let's shoot our matches upside down, you know? Like, you, you, just, yeah. you can't just be different to be different. But, they uh, might. <laughs> but I do like the idea, yeah, of uh, trying to make it visually distinct, of trying to make it an actual alternative, um, but I hope I hope they're pursuing quality above, <laughs> you know, above just being different for the sake of it. So that, that's all I have to say about that. That's the fear. They, they've all been laying out that the TV is not going to look like anything you've ever known pro wrestling to be. And if they really go for that, that might either be straight liberation you always wanted and never knew or... Man, you got everything I want, but I can't watch you because you're so fucking like young bucks obnoxious with what you're doing. <laughs> it's possible. So man, we'll see. We'll see. Um, the implications. He won't. He wants us to do some. He wants us to watch some stuff and know some things about some folks because we are not getting the job done with that, sir. <laughs> we are going to learn today, and I want to say thank you, big time, for sending this because I'm not going to say it yet, but there is one person who I watched in the videos that you sent that I am now highly, highly hyped on and hoping that he can build a name for himself in AEW because the potential is there. Okay, let's go. Okay, all right. Um, I do want to say I uh, did take a little bit of liberty with this. Uh, The implications did send over a lot of the stuff. Uh, The the first match we're going to talk about in particular, um, the other two matches – uh, the original ask was just uh, go learn about El Lindemann and T-Hawk. Okay. I did add some matches myself that we can uh, kind of focus in on. Um, but, uh, but yeah, really glad he sent these over. And I'm glad yes. you had time to watch these because originally you didn't think you were going to be able to. But I think there's some really good conversation we can have here. Absolutely. 
I'll let you go first on the beginning because I, I don't know what to say. So <laughs> okay, all right. The first ask is uh, that we check out the match from uh, No Legs Dustin Thomas with uh, a guy named Tony Deppen from this year's uh, Joey Janela Spring Break 3, which was a big uh, WrestleMania weekend show. Um, I really like uh, the setup and execution of this one. Tony Deppen comes out. He's uh, angry that he wasn't booked on the card. He decides to go around the crowd and start challenging fans to, to wrestle him. Uh, it comes across a guy in a wheelchair who does not have legs and attacks him to the shock of everybody and drags him into the ring. But what he didn't know is Dustin Thomas actually is a wrestler despite having no legs. And uh, the whole match, it's not even a super long match, but it's just really a showcase of all the pretty visually incredible things that this guy Dustin Thomas can do. Um He's uh, super agile. He can fly around. He's doing a 619 at one time. Uh, it's not all one-sided. He's getting beat up, too. He's selling. He's bumping around. He's doing a lot of cool stuff. I'll just say, I don't know what Dustin Thomas' ceiling is as a regular competitor because it's always going to kind of be part of the conversation that, yeah, he has no legs. I don't know if you can build on that long-term or not. I like to think you can, but... I think he kills it in this match. I think uh, it's really a marvel to watch this guy, and the crowd is really molten for it. So if you can even get a little bit of mileage out of this, why not do it? You know, I think there's definitely something here that uh, that is a cool thing to see. So that that's my take on it. Yeah. I'm all for giving him the opportunity. Like what he gets out there and does is amazing. Um, what I, I think the challenge is, I don't want to see him held back. I don't want to see him super rewarded. Mm. situation how do you because you i get any day i could go out there and book him in a way that moves the audience on a one-off right but how are you going to book him long term mm. and so if you can make him a character i care about and you can you know i think the thing is to get him established you know i think you have these feel-good moments at the beginning and there's nothing wrong with that but can you allow him to be more than a feel-good moment yeah and if you can do that then i i've got no problem with it so you know, he's like, right now to me, he is like 70% of this card. I don't really know, and we'll see starting at Double or Nothing, because I looked at that card the other day, and I thought, man, if I wasn't doing a podcast, like, it'd be, it'd be hard as hell for you to get me to order this, because I don't know half these people, and I've been doing the podcast. So, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we should have done more convinced these. Um, no, we, uh, we've done them, but still, what is, you know, what is that? Go, go look at the card at some point, you know. And, yeah. You know, it's also it's not just you know who you are outside. Who are you gonna be in AEW? Right, right. Like, they they took guys out of the battle royal and put them in a match in the pregame or the buy-in show. Like, why did they do that? Are these guys specials or something that I'm going to see from them? And there's a lot of guys in the battle royal who I just wanted to see that they're decent enough for me to care about them being on the roster. Now they're wrestling for a title shot. Mm, you know, so true. there's a lot of these folks. Here's the thing that I, I want to put on the record. I have no idea in two weeks, because we're not doing a show next week. In two weeks, when we do that full coverage, I have no clue who we're going to be talking about. And I like that. So, doors wide open. He got it done in this match. My only thing is I want to see what, what a sustainable character um, would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Um, I'll say we don't know if this is going to be 
this could just be a one-off for him because I don't think everyone in the Battle Royale is signed yeah. full-time. Um, so could just be a one-off, and that's, you know, you can maximize a lot out of that one-off, I think. Um, could be like a short run. Could be a test, you know, can we do this more long-term? And in that case, yeah, that that's tricky to book, but I think you could possibly do it very well. So I'm very curious. Um, I want to see what comes of it. Yeah. I also do, for this match, want to shout out Tony Deppin, uh, who's a guy who started getting a lot of buzz. I think he did a great job with this, um, setting it up and uh, bumping around for this guy and just uh, being really um, generous and on point with everything that he wanted to do and really helped it get over to the point that it did. So who knows? Could be an opportunity for him down the line as well. I don't think he should be overshadowed for the good work he did here. Yeah. All right, cool. So now I think, yeah, at least one of these next two matches you're more excited to talk about. Uh, the ask is that, yeah, we learn more about uh, Shima's Double or Nothing tag partners who are El Lindemann and T-Hawk, um, both uh, veterans of Dragon Gate who left the company along with Shima to kind of explore these new opportunities. Um, let's let's get into these. What what do you think about these uh, these guys here from what you've seen so far? With El Lindemann, I, I said it first, uh, it looks a little bit like the child of Aja Kong, which is not a problem. And that a built, very built little dude, yep. uh, very cocky, very expressively cocky. Um, he didn't win me over in that, oh, man, now I've got to see everything he does. But, like, he did also didn't put me off. And I think that's good enough. His opponent, Kaz Hayashi, has the Chris Jericho body where you can look fat and have visible abs at the same time. So that's <laughs> wonderful. It's a good match, you know, and I do like, you know, I like kind of what I picked up about his character and how easily that was done. Mm. But the one that stole the show for me was Mr. T-Hulk. This guy, he's young, he's got a good look, and I think he has a hell of a lot of upside. Mm. Um, watching this match, everything that he does is so purposeful. It's so, it's so on point that... Um, I found myself drawn in. Like in the beginning, you even get a, you get a running uh, shoulder block by Shima, which pushes T Hawk against the ropes, but he bounces back and pushes hard and pushes through Shima. You get a very nice sit down power bomb that's just it's done with authority. Like I get the opinion, I get the feeling the guy knows who he is. He knows how to work. He's got a good look. He's young. He's been with the right people, and I can see this translating really well. If they do it right, he even did. Oh my god, I love the deadlift superplex. I've only been introduced to that this year, and because of I've been out of the game. But I think uh, Mabushi. I think we've seen someone do it a couple of times. I think so. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But he hits a deadlift superplex, and he's he reminds me a little bit of Shima, but a very, 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 very young and different generational version. So for me, it may never pan out. But to be that young, to have that look, to have that authority in what you do, I think this guy could translate. And again, this is the challenge to AEW. I don't want to just be introduced to a new style. I want people who I can care about, who have characters and stories just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Um, these two matches are uh, Elinaman versus Kasayashi from February 13 this year, Wrestle 1, and T Hawk taking on the man himself, Shima, from uh, November 3 last year. Uh, GWF, which I think is in Germany, um, but I'm not even, yeah, I'm not too familiar with that one, but uh, glad you like both of these. I like them both as well. Uh, I would agree with you. I see more out of T-Hawk at this point. 
But uh, Lindemann, I do like his look. I like some of the things he can do. He's only 24, so very young. A lot of upside potential from him. T-Hawk, yeah, my first note is that he reminds me of, like, a, a very young Shima uh, in a very good way. Yeah. I think he is super talented. He is under 30. He's got um, a very good look of his own. And, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of places he could go. You know, we, we've talked about, like, Japanese guys coming over to WCW in the past. You know, at one time, Jushin Liger came over, you know, as a young man. So who, mm. who's the Jushin Liger who's maybe coming over that we're going to be talking about in 30 years? Could it be T-Hawk? I don't know. Could be. I think he's got uh, a huge amount of potential and uh, really could be in that conversation many years down the line. So I'm, I'm excited to see this match. This has been one of my kind of looked-forward-to matches for a long time, them and uh, SoCal Uncensored. I think uh, it's going to be a lot of good stuff that we can uh, get into in this one. And the big, the big, big, big question. I don't know how long some of these guys and these women are going to be in the company. Mm. But what would it have been like? Jushin Liger is world-renowned as one of the greatest of all time. I don't think – I'd like to have the conversation with someone who thinks that's not true. Mm. And in WCW, while I enjoyed him every time, he was just an adversary for somebody. He was just like, oh, he's, he's Pillman's problem, or he's in the New Japan trying to take over the company. If you just given him one or two storylines that were about him, then WCW and Liger have a bit different and bigger legacy. And that's what I want from this company. You know, don't just make them opponents for someone else. Like we are, things are so much more sophisticated now, and so I, I don't see an excuse. You know, I want to see some of these people break out. I want to see some of them be baby faces. I want to see some of them, you know, have a reputation and a legacy in this company, and not just be someone who passes through. Absolutely, I meant to say this earlier. I'm definitely going to say it now. Invest in translators, subtitles, yes. whatever you need to get these guys over as who they are. This whole it's it's a very WWE thing. That if you don't speak English or if you don't speak it well enough, you're you're fucked basically. Like fuck you, we're not really gonna do that much with you. That's a trope that definitely needs to be lashed back against. Of course, it's always gonna be advantage if you can speak English, but in 2019, it is not that big a barrier. You know, we're very global. Um, get yeah. those translators, tell those stories, invest in these people. No matter what language they speak, what accent they have, it doesn't matter because they're going to be compelling and you would be a fool not to take full advantage of that. Honest to God, some of the best promos I have ever seen and heard were Lucha Underground, Pentagon, you know, and I was just reading, I was just reading subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then later, you know, the budget got cut and I think they were gone. But this is TNT's paying for the production and you're calling yourself an inclusive company, you know, so just from day one. From day one, can this not be an issue? Yeah. Because there are people in that six-man tag who I want to be talking about for a long, long time in that uh, on the Aja Kong matchup. And again, with T Hawk, if he proves to be even a percentage of this, I want to be able to talk about him. Yeah. And so I don't need we don't need lame lame excuses that we we so easily. This is the thing right here with AEW, and so it worries me about pay-per-view, but also why I hope in a year from now we're talking about a network or a league pass or something. Yeah. 
I've never seen a group of people start a wrestling company who are more plugged into the fan base and the time and the means and the transmedia approach. The t-shirts are being called an insult. And the t-shirts are one of the great, the t-shirts are a genre of their own, like they're a <laughs> world of their own. So like, you know, these things and I know, you know, these things. So if ever, if ever we had the potential because that's nice. Like New Japan is trying to build a like a stronghold in the U.S. and more power to them. But the same way, the other way around, if you're a Japanese star, you shouldn't have to necessarily be in New Japan to have a fulfilling career. Yeah. Like you should be able to have it here, and there shouldn't be any barrier. There should not be a okay, but this is your ceiling. It's not hard. Either you can convey, if you can convey your personality, and you get the subtitles. It's no different. And it might be better. There's some people who I wish, you know, I wish I didn't, I couldn't hear them or I didn't know what they were saying. Sure. So for God's sake, for God's sake, for God's sake, this is the one thing I am asking. You want to break barriers and push down boundaries. Don't treat O-W-E and Japanese talent and so on and so forth like visitors passing through who bless us with a wrestling style but you never in this world know why the hell they came through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would definitely love that. I think I love that you mentioned, yeah, those Pentagon promos that were translated. Cause that's another, it's a huge opportunity for them. We've seen many luchadors uh, are very wary of going to WWE now based on what's happened to the last few people who've gone there. And part of that, yeah, the language issue has come up time and time again. So prove like you said, from day one, that this is not going to be an issue for us, that we, you know, we are actually in 2019. We actually understand, you know, a global audience. Um, so, yeah, have, that that's one of the best things, I think, that they can do right out of the gate. Have you read uh, Andrade stuff? I, you'll have to be more specific. I think maybe he went into Vince's office wanting a bigger push, and now um, he has an English tutor because he was told learn English. I did hear something about that, yeah, so... Here's another thing, uh, real quick. Yeah. yeah. I almost preferred Pentagon not speaking English. Yep. Because there's something about watching that man. Like, I can see his face, and I can feel what the hell he's saying, but I have to kind of wait for it, and when it pops on the screen, like, it just, oh my god! I yeah. thought that's what you were doing, but there it is. So... There's also, there can be some benefits, and it comes down to the fact, if you can convey a character and tell a story, then you can do what anyone else can do, and the other part is secondary, so just support it, support it, support it. I mean, I, I, I talk about highly sensitive temperament and cool that they're doing the Culture City thing, I think that's awesome, mm. but you know what? Don't be doing that and also not supporting your wrestlers. Yeah. They live it, live it, live it. And we will have, that's what, okay, six months from now, if we're still doing this show, we're into AEW. Pick one. Pick one from that six-man women's match or from this OWE match. Six months from now, I want to know something. I want to be invested in one of their characters and stories. Absolutely. Yeah. There's there's rich potential there. Yes. So that ends the performers portion of this. And now we are moving into questions, just general AEW questions. I wrote down structure, success, etc. So just a lot of things under this umbrella that's kind of just AEW related. We will begin again with Sir Sam. 
this is fair and this is good. He wants to know what is the measuring stick for success for AEW. It's a very broad question. Um, he says, uh, I'd be interested to know what you guys would set as a measuring stick for the success of AEW. I honestly don't know how to measure what it is doing because it is living solely off hype and we don't know what their concrete plans are yet. It already feels like the second biggest promotion in America. Perhaps that shouldn't matter to me. What do you think? Um, it's a complicated question because part of me wants to say that I don't care because all I really want is the good wrestling and the good stories, and I just want them to be successful enough to uh, stay in business, to book top talent the way it deserves. But all of those things, I kind of have to care because those things are connected to the way yeah. they succeed on a larger scale. Um, top level, yeah, they can obviously be the clear number two. Like you said, in some ways they already are just in terms of like the funding and the exposure that they have. But also they kind of don't exist yet, so it's really hard to say. Um, if they do end up kind of falling short of the mark, if they end up feeling maybe just like another – you know, not not indie necessarily, but, you know, if they are on the level of Ring of Honor or the real level TNA used to be on, that will be a little disappointing. But again, if they are making a good product and they're successful enough to keep doing it, then that's kind of enough for me. But at the same time, I do hope that they succeed on that higher level. So I guess uh, I don't know if that's a concrete answer, but uh, it is something interesting to think about. Yes, like you I acknowledge the complication of this, and I divided it in two. Uh, from a business standpoint, which neither of us cares much about, but you would be a fool to say that you can't pay it, that you don't have to pay attention to it because mm. we could be having the time of our lives for three weeks and not pay attention to it, and then realize, oh, everybody hates it, and it's going away. Oh, <laughs> right, right. But to me, the don't lose ground, at least not. You know, like if a year from now they're kicked off TNT and they're on some channel you can't find, that's probably not good. <laughs> so try not to lose ground. And that, I just left it at that. Try not to lose ground, maintain or grow. And then more importantly, what AEW is, is a vibe. It's a feeling. It's an intuitive relational finger on the pulse movement. That makes it a leader. It makes it out front. They are doing things that are not only an alternative, but they're doing things other people are not doing. And that is what they have to keep doing. The day that I wake up, and AEW, because, yeah, I'm playing on, they they haven't started according to Cody Rose, but at the same time they have. And the one thing I will not, I am I call myself the one-man hype band, and I will not pretend like hype is nothing. Like, how is it an insult to so many people to say they haven't done anything and they are the second biggest promotion in the world? Is that an insult to you? That I don't understand that. That's not an insult. That's a compliment. So for me, I don't need to wake up one day and I could take them or Impact or Ring of Honor and it wouldn't make a difference. They have to be a space where I cannot get what I want anywhere else. And this is going to be the juggle because Already, I don't know how in the world you're sports-centric and you're going to have a Young Bucks-style wrestling, but the Young Bucks then define it as it's an alternative and we just have to do what's different in the ring than what WWE does. But there's a strand of this that is Cody Rhodes 
that both is a tribute to WCW and is unlike anything else in the world. And they don't need to lose that. And to me, as long as they don't, then I consider it a success. So maybe the way to say it is, as long as Cody Rhodes is happy, I am happy, and that's a success for me. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, I'm, I'm all right with that. Okay. Um, so this one is both Ryan uh, and Brooklyn kind of had the same question, so we put these together. Do we see AEW doing something like the Royal Rumble? And also what gimmick matches should they do or have? Mm. Um, personally, I really enjoy... Rumble style matches. I think there's a few different ways you can do it. I've liked Aztec Warfare. I'm looking forward to Battle Riot when we uh, do cover that for MLW Fusion, the Legacy Series. Um, I hope they put their own spin on it, but something like that with uh, the staggered entry, with a lot of moving pieces, a lot of different guys interacting on different levels. I do hope we have something like that. Uh, I've already mentioned, yeah, G1 Climax sort of thing could be a great fit for what they're trying to do. I can't really think off the top of my head of any gimmicks to avoid. Just two things, please. Try to put your own spin on them. You don't have to get too fancy, but something, even like the Lucha Underground style, of just coming up with like different names that match the context of the situation. Market them that way. That's cool. And also, please, 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 don't do gimmicks just for their own sake. Don't do them just because they're on the calendar. Uh, let them come up organically in the story, or not at all. Yes. This is a complicated question in that I could give you success and horror stories for either direction you want to go. Right. And that's not nothing, and that should not be ignored. The thing I ultimately ended on, I'll begin with, and is what you've already said, it needs to be organic to the company, the stories, and the characters. Mm. For the love of God, no money in the bank, no key... (laughs) Because here's the thing, I, I I take what you said about Lucha Underground kind of changing names and changing matches, and for a lot of that, it was really cool. And then there were moments in seasons where it's like, this is kind of like WWE, and it's hurting the structure of what this company is. Yeah, I will say, nothing you can cash in for the love of yeah. God. I, I don't, if you want to have, like, multi-man ladder matches, that's cool. If you want to have some sort of honor where you can sort of, like, pick your date in advance... That's cool. I'm down with that. I like it. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you can cash in. Please, dear God, one of the worst tropes that we have. So, yeah, okay, There, there's my feeling on that. Yeah. It's also a middle finger to the wins, losses, and analytics because, yes. oh, yeah, deep, deep dive, except for if you win this match, which determines <laughs> you'll be the next world champion. Yeah, and Guess what? If you want to be sports-centric, there's no basketball game you can win and then go to the NBA finals and yeah. like you can't rush on the court and suddenly start scoring baskets. You know, you can't join the Super Bowl as like a third team in the middle of it and start like <laughs> kicking goals. Like that's not sports centric. It doesn't. And work somehow you don't even have to have the most points. You just need to go score one point or two at the end of the game and somehow you beat everybody. Right, right. You can't just jump in the UFC octagon and punch out the champion suddenly. Like you would be Sports-centric means you earn it in a way that makes sense within the sport. Yes, in a, in, a, in any sports-centric setting, you would be hated because what it would mean is you didn't really earn your spot. Yeah. Like how many champions? How many of these WWE champions are running around? Because they, they, after a match, like, that is a gimmick fit for, like, two or three characters. 
Yeah. And everybody's running around doing it. Yeah. You have a Go ahead. You have a lost generation of WWE people who were destroyed by this trope, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's no good. And all it does also is it promises many, many world champions when a thing I haven't said that needs to be said is you're not going to make me mad AEW if you set the bar at the beginning with longer title reigns. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, again, in sports-centric, someone then could have a short title reign because that's life. But at the same time, if you want to go ahead and tell me that I need to be a patient viewer and listener if I want to watch your product, I'm not mad at you. Mm-hmm. And the antithesis of that is the fucker running around with the guarantee as the guaranteed next world champion, and not only is he the guaranteed next world champion, but you know he's not going to do it in any way that's entertaining or impressive. It's going to be shock value, and it's going to be oh, we built a moment. If you're if you're again if you're alternative to WWE and you want to take that extreme young buck stance, then you can't be out there seeking moments. Okay, you're seeking. I can't imagine. Like back in the day, Ken Shamrock or Dan Severn. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to pass the whole line, and I want to tag the champion right. after after they fought. That's so disrespectful to yourself, to the product, to the belt. So let's not do that. Um, then I will put a statement on this whole Royal Rumble thing because everything WCW did was so different, and it failed. So like <laughs> Battle Bowl, World War Three, that none of that ever did what it was supposed to do. But then if you're going to do something like the Rumble, you got to make sure you don't come off as a poor man's world, WWE, when right. doing it. So I think there's always room for that. I do like what Ms. Ms. Fan is. We don't speak to each other when we when we uh, do these shows as far as we come up with our own answers and then we talk. But, man, like the thing I couldn't figure out in some ways, like tournaments and round robins, you know, maybe have everything you do. Be kind of like, but you got to work a lot harder here. You got to do more and you got to do longer, and it's going to be more difficult. Mm. So I'm not mad. Like, to me, they can make a series of these things work, but again, and again, gimmicks. Why do you have a gimmick match? Because these two people are in this feud and they bring these certain things. Right. You don't just have, oh, it's the hardcore pay per view of the year, or it's TLC. They yeah. If you want me not to watch your product, at TLC, we all get into matches where we want to, where we just gets this extreme. At WrestleMania, we talk about people's dead family because we suddenly hate each other. When we won't, we don't behave like this the rest of the year. Don't do that. Don't book, don't book the year to where I know what's going to happen before it happens. It needs to be organic. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, all that and more. Um, I'm, I'm all about that. Okay, so this is one we got. I think several of them will come around. Brooklyn is asking about the pay-per-view schedule and the pay-per-view model. Yep. And Zan Man is talking about kind of the same uh, pay-per-view model in the era of streaming services. Uh, these questions, um, they're inevitable, but I never know how to answer them because I don't really know. And I also, again, I sort of don't care. Like, as long as I can watch and not break the bank, and as long yeah. as people can watch, like, if they want to, that's great. Uh, streaming is a must, obviously, in 2019, so I, that's already sorted out, though. Maybe it wasn't when the question was originally sent, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be possible to stream at least double or nothing. I'm sure there'll be some option, because, like you said, this, this, the people doing this, 
are definitely plugged into the way people consume wrestling, I think. So yeah. I'm not too worried about it. Like, the price for Double or Nothing, yeah, it is concerning, but we don't know what it's going to be in the future, so we can only really kind of see it as it comes. I tend to worry more than I do have faith, but for some reason, I just have faith that they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I could be wrong, but you know what? They, they better than anyone, again, they have their, their hand on the pulse, and so... I don't know how much is this, is this TNT decisions, is it, is it AEW, is it someone else? I don't know this, and so we can't really talk about it. I can say with probably most wrestling fans that from the outside, the sensible thing looks like give me a league pass or a network because, number one, that is just where it's going. And then, number two, you have a lot of fervent fans, I think, who would just run around repping their network or a league pass. You know, So take advantage of that, but... If they're, if they're doing this, then there's something that says that this right now is the best way to be doing it. So that's where we're at. Um, as far what, as number yeah, of shows, uh, I'm not really sure about that either. I think it's something maybe you just have to figure out as you go along. I don't know if just having four or five a year is kind of enough for fans, but it could be depending on how you do your regular shows. So I don't really know if we have enough evidence for that yet. Um, I don't think they need to get locked in with one a month. I think that could be counterproductive. But again, I don't really know. So that context is going to be important to that as we go forward. I would love to see maybe four, four to six max. They're just like, these are pay-per-views, and they're, they are above all things, but then have specials as well. Yeah. You know, like I, love, I like the old Clash of Champions model. Right. But so, But again, I don't care as far as... Like, pick a structure and make it so compelling I have to take part in it. Yeah. And I will be happy. I think all of us... Again, here's, here's, here's what I'll say. This is where I'll, I'll end on this. Yeah. I think it's likely that we'll end up eventually with streaming because that just makes sense. But I'm not going... Here's what I'm not going to do. I've already said, if I, if I don't like the way they do wrestling, I'm not going to watch it. But as long as I'm watching it, I'm not going to move from... Okay, they sold out all in, but can they sell out uh, double or nothing? Okay, they got to talking to TV companies, but are they paying for it, or do they really have a deal, or do they not have a deal at all? Okay, they got a deal where the pay per views cost too much. I'm not gonna keep looking for the thing that doesn't seem right and ignore everything that is going right. Mm. I'm not saying that's what anyone is doing or wants us to do, but I'm saying that this is a week of good news and good feelings, and they're doing it by pay per view right now, and they may do it differently later. And I'm happy with where they are. Yep. Yep. <sighs> okay. 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 We are moving through. This is a dialogical um, experiment here. <laughs> uh, the Listener's Choice Special, LOPForms.com, is where this was born. Uh, we got a question from Brooklyn. Um, what should be, uh, I think, the uh, the initial major feud in AEW? Mm. My response, and it might be yours or it might be different, is we're already in it. Yeah, I think we're probably on the same page here. Um, Jericho versus Cody is already in progress, and it drives a story not just between the two of them, but like I said, it uh, it's a bigger thing that I think could encompass the whole company, potentially. Um, I want to see it continue to grow. I want to see it influence a lot of stuff within the company, I want it to be a central struggle, and like I said, I want this to expand to 
a lot of different moving pieces. I want to see allies. I want to see people brought in. I want to see struggles in different uh, kinds of ways. I want to see people lower on the card get involved just on their own merit. Um, I think uh, the sky is really the limit with what you can do with this. And uh, there's a lot of different ways you can organize it, but they all kind of work, in my opinion. So this this should definitely be a long-running major thing for them. And like you said, it it's already in progress, if this is indeed what you're talking about. Absolutely. It's Cody okay. and Jericho has <laughs> already started. And again... This is a, I will critique bad booking a lot, but sometimes I'll have a moment where I feel sorry for everybody. Like every bad NWO remake, as easy as it is to pan it, you understand the desperation. Just won't. Well, we want to be loved and seen, and that was a big thing. But you forget the NWO, for example, was such a big thing because what it really was is. You can have the war between WCW or WWF versus WWF, or here we'll give you WWF versus WCW. And you can just turn that other channel off. You know, so there was something real. It's not shooty real. It was like lived and earned real, and just implicated into beings. And that's what you have in Cody and Jericho. You have things. And story implicated in the beings. Chris Jericho means one thing. Cody Rhodes means something else. They're not going to play well under one roof. And a lot of people may have to choose sides at one time. So whether how, how good it goes, how bad it goes, how much it does, is all up in the air. But we are already in our first initial major feud. Mm, yep. Yep. Okay. 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 So Brooklyn. Wants to know about AEW merchandise and celebrity involvement. What should be resisted? What should be encouraged? Um, here I will just say one thing as someone who has been a fan since 1991. I love the Hasbros and Galoops <laughs> to death. WWE compliment. More power to you. They they, they did a, a, the Hasbro retro series. It's in like five, six, seven. I don't even know how many. So they're making figures that size again. So I'm, I'm talking to you, Cody Rhodes. You know what these wrestling figures should not look like. They should not be really big and bendy. They should be the size of Hasbro's and Galoops. Okay, sir? I'm not asking a lot of specifics, particulars. I am here. Mr. Cody Rhodes, don't you want a wrestling figure? The same size as the people who you idolized when you were in that locker room as a child in WCW. Yes, you do. Okay, there you go. So that's what I want. And then as far as celebrities, I'm not about going out. I'm not don't don't chase don't chase them. Um, like what we saw at All In was fine to me. A friend who takes the business seriously. Oh yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, and then I like I said I'm a big fan, big big fan of the NBA on TNT, and that you got uh, very popular Shaq, Kenny, Charles, and Ernie host. And I was thought, man, in a year, could we be in a playoffs and they bring on an AEW guy as a respected wrestling performer? And then I looked up, and at the upfronts, they were already taking pictures with Shaquille O'Neal. So, again, like everything else, just be organic and real and don't be thirsty, and we will be okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, I don't have a single clue about the action figure stuff, so I'll, I'll take your word on that. For the celebrity stuff, yeah, just not too much, please. Um, like you said, don't chase it. Uh, I like that idea, but I also, you know, 
you could also take that as oh they're gonna bring Shaq in to like wrestle somebody and I don't I don't know. If but you don't have to though. Is what, is what you don't is. have to, but you might. You know. And, you might. You yeah. You're right. Yeah. Again. So if you do it. Just do it well. I just think back to, uh, what was that, like that Dennis Rodman tag match yeah. in WCW that the crowd was just like fucking bananas for. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, if you can do something like that, something that's actually hot, great. But please don't bring anyone in just for the sake of it. I don't need any like Z-list celebrity guys who don't yeah. you know need to be there, who don't really care. Just, just, just do it wisely, please. That's all I guess I can say about that. That is good advice. And just like this is the WCW. I, I knock WWE a lot on the show because I don't want to see if I, you know, if I was happy with it, that's what we'd be doing. But WCW got to the point that every year it's going to be a celebrity. It doesn't matter. Like you said, it's a Z-list celebrity. It's this pay-per-view and we got to bring somebody in. Like, no, you don't. And at some point you're not even helping yourself. So relax. Again, if you're honored a sports-centric it's going to be a very rare occasion where someone's going to dare to walk in into your legitimate like space where people are professionals doing something in a space and, and the others are not professionals. It's going to take a rare person to walk in and take part in that. So live up to what you're talking about and we'll be okay. Okay, so we got another one from Keith, we'll say. Okay. I'm going to read it. Sure. Second, sure. Um, second topic. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, second topic I'd like you to discuss is should there be a limit to what the wrestlers can do in a match? Are there moves that should be banned? How hardcore should the in-ring style be? Or should it be treated more as a gimmick match maybe? WWE's PG era is often criticized for being too bland. Where should AEW place itself? Uh, I don't want you... Uh, well, uh, the rest of it is just... Okay, well, all right. Um, I... Would really like to see them avoid uh, the really serious head-neck trauma stuff. I think that has no place in 2019. I'm talking specifically about unprotected chair shots to the head, where the guy's not even, like, putting his hand up. It's just straight head trauma. Uh, I don't really like to see any kind of headbutts, because uh, it's just proven how damaging that is, and it really doesn't add that much to the match. Aside from that... I'm really not picky. There's a ton of stuff that can be done safely or that can be done kind of as a one-off. Um, I really don't have a problem with gimmick matches as long as they're not overdone, as long as you're not just doing them for their own sake. Uh, like you said, we do have some hardcore guys on the roster, so I'm sure we're going to see some matches which just kind of go hardcore for the sake of it. That's okay as long as you kind of keep it uh, a bit special, you know, like, it's not just, uh, as a matter of course, oh, you know, like, it doesn't mean anything anymore, so, I don't have a lot of requirements, it's mainly the head trauma stuff that does get to me, beyond that, it's really all about context, and, uh, I'm not gonna be so restrictive, in my opinion, of what I think should and shouldn't be done, because, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing exactly, I don't know how they're protecting themselves, so, hopefully they're just doing it smart, they're gonna keep the big moments, as big moments and they'll be special uh, and yeah from there we'll just have to see where it goes yes um, for the mystic personally I'm very libertarian in my um, individual stance of for the most part let people be and I don't need authoritarian powers dictating every single bit of exchange between human beings but then I look at AEW's roster and I'm like oh my god there's a bunch of idiots or potential idiots on this roster so <laughs> I'm not comfortable just saying let them do whatever the hell they want to do um, I think Miss Van got it a lot for me is that 
there's some things that shouldn't even be a conversation. Like we should never have to say, oh, we've been um, chair shots to the head. I don't need to hear about that. That should just be baked into the cake. Yeah. Like, no, we're not trying to end people's lives early when we don't have to, and nothing is gained by it. So, you know, barring the nonsensical, but I don't think it should ever be either a Bill Watts. Like I, I have never understood where we decide to build into the story and structure that we have a bunch of limiting rules. So you can't jump off the top rope. You can't do this and that. And that, that's what makes our product different is that we're more limited than other people. Mm. So again, uh, be organic. I think this is where I, I at least have an answer for people is that I'm trying to buy into this whole sports centric idea and that doesn't mean you can't have other kinds of matches, but at the same time, are they going to be doing stupid shit every single night? <laughs> and is that sports-centric? I don't know. So, like, I hope the gimmick matches, let them be there, but let them, like, you know, these, these two people are in a feud, and this is where they take it, so this is what they're doing. Mm. I kind of like the old school where you don't have a heel general manager, but you do have the board or the, or the Jack Tunney that you either yeah. see or never see that says... Well, this isn't sanctioned by AEW because we're we're this kind of product and we wouldn't do it. And you then you get to always do it when it's necessary, but you get to keep that integrity too because right. our, our our hands our hands off this. Their blood is not on our hands. So something like that would make me happy. If you want to go gimmicky and wild at times, they have someone or some way of relaying the message that this has gotten out of control. And these two have to settle it, and this is where it's at. But this is not sanctioned by AEW. Yeah. And I know I say, I think there is some element of uh, sports-centric that you can do with these hardcore kind of guys. Because I'm always yeah. very interested when, like, you get a, a hardcore guy and they wrestle, like, a straight wrestler guy or, like, some, you know, clash of styles like that. Because I, I want to have those, like, statistical conversations. We see, oh, well, this guy, when hardcore gets introduced, like, he falls apart. Or this guy, you know, he's just trying to bring a chair, but when he has to wrestle, like, on the mat, he's going to get destroyed. So, you know, play to people's strengths, play to their weaknesses, make that part of the sports center conversation. And, man, I'm on board because that's always where my mind goes, and we rarely see it. Um, and it should be a huge part of it. So I would actually really like to see that. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why we have done three shows together. <laughs> yes. That is freaking brilliant. Um, I just imagine because everybody's second move in wrestling now is doing some kind of flip onto the floor. <laughs> so what do you say to the person who, you know, every single time that you're in a match, the second thing you do is do a suicide dive, but your matches show that every time you spend more than two minutes on the outside of the ring, you lose the match. Mm. So I'm not saying don't do that anymore, but I'm saying, do you want to win matches at the same time? <laughs> you know? So then, like, who who excels when the match goes to the floor? Who excels when it doesn't? There's all kinds of stuff. Even the, the whole trope of ref bumps. Like, you know, the, the, when refs go down historically, it favored. Like, what is Ric Flair's record when a referee goes down? Right, yeah. And what is Lex Luger's challenging Ric Flair when a referee goes down? <laughs> you know, so... This sounds like where they're going with getting this this deep into the statistics, and I welcome that. And, you know, that might be the one way for folks, like older folks, because they're trying to bring, you've got to get young fans, and they got their pulse with young fans, but they also got an attraction to older fans, and they also want to bring in general fans, and that's hard. But one thing you might be able to do is link it up with these contexts and these conversations so that 
if I am with Jake Roberts and we're on our old man, like that's not psychology. There's no psychology in what you do. I can't watch what you do because there's no psychology. Mm-hmm. You might still be able to have some of those styles, but also those styles might also need at times to be nuanced because the details might show there are some mistakes in that game. So right. there might be ways to use this to bring everybody together to have conversations and have um, legitimate, authentic, um, proven uh, avenues where you can trust in the product that you're watching. So yeah. exciting. Yeah. I mean, just look at Jake Roberts. You talk about psychology. His biggest point is psychology. I have a giant snake in one corner, you know, yeah. so it's not like, it's not like you're limited to, Oh, we can no. only trade wrist locks or anything. You know, psychology is so broad. You just have yeah. to treat the things that are important as important. Context matters, you know, styles matter, all that good stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of ways you can do it. Yeah, I think his complaint, if I remember, is just if you're never going to sell, like, what do these moves matter? Right, know? right, which is a problem, you know, in some aspects of modern wrestling. So we'll see how much that comes over to AEW or not. I mean, this is the closest that I've ever been to being excited about the claims that they're making. <laughs> That's cool. That's great. I, I think there's so much you can do with it. Yeah. So the next one, um, this is weird because CB Mac is sending us something that I have also seen I'm not going to be knocking you, CB Mag, but I am going to be ranting hard about what I saw that was similar to this. So (laughs) go ahead and put that on the table. Uh, He says, with AEW premiering on TNT this fall, it is or is it vital that their storytelling should align with the channel's We Know Drama slogan? So if you were actually a wrestling fan... There would be no response, in my opinion, to AEW getting a deal with TNT except good for them, good for wrestling. And I clicked on, like, this is huge. Like, people that hate AEW's only response to the idea of TNT is that they're not really going to get it. And there's analysis official, and one of the threads announcing only had one comment at the time, and the only comment to... TNT being back in the wrestling business, AEW being on prime time was, and people can't, people are so dumb now they can't even have conversations. The genre now is you do memes instead of actual like sentences. True. So it's like the only response was TNT colon we know drama AEW colon this is wrestling this is sports centric. And they thought they oh we really got them man we we got them with that so they we caught them in a trap. Here, here, here's the thing. Just because you are so intellectually impoverished that you think that like wrestling mat, the wrestling mattering means that there's no drama, doesn't mean that you caught them in a trap. You caught your own self in a trap. So, my answer, CB Mac, would be this: Is it vital that they're storytelling? I've said this already in the show. If history matters and wins and losses matter, then storytelling matters and drama is inherent in everything that you do. Do you did you watch this is the first non lucha did anybody watch nineteen nineties wrestling? Like did anybody watch like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart? Like these are people like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels helped each other. They were friends. Shawn Michaels kinda looked up to Bret Hart. But then they realize there's only one world title, and Vince McMahon is the type of guy that once he's behind you, 
um, someone said the other day, Vince plays with his toys till he's bored with them and moves on to another. And so the fact that there's only one this championship or that championship and wins and losses matter, then number one by itself, this sports this sports centric idea has storytelling and drama built into it. So that's number one. So stop with the bullshit on its face because it's built in. And then number two, then can we stop ignoring that every single time they say this? Let me see if Tony Khan does it because he's the only tab I got open. But I'm just going to trust it. having no idea if it's true or not. But it's so often that I'm just clicking on this tab and oh, there it is. Okay, so here's Tony Khan saying this. We're going to offer a great sporting-centric product. And we're going to be focused on the athletes, focused on the work. And we're going to have some of the best wrestlers in the world. And I really want to showcase them. But they also are some of the most dynamic personalities. I don't want people to think it's just going to be great matches. It's going to be a lot of great matches, but it's also going to be some of the most entertaining people in wrestling. It's a really great time for that, too, and these guys are going to be unleashed. You're going to see their personalities. I spend time with these women and men, and there are some really great personalities in this group, and they're going to shine. I could go on and on and on, but every time they also do that, they throw in the personality. So even if you're slow of learning, I'm not knocking you, but even if you are, they just spell it out for you. But the main point that I want to make is you can live in a world where it's WrestleMania season and all of a sudden we hate each other. I'm talking about your dead husband or manager or wife or whatever. And that's not, that's, that cannot be drama for me because I'm like, this is revulsive, repulsive and, and, and bad storytelling because they're going to team up in two weeks. And I know why this is happening. And you could be sports-centric and all this matter. Even before you get into the personalities and storytelling, there is drama inherent because it matters. Do you think people watched Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn because they're the greatest storytellers ever? No, but there was drama built in because it mattered. So every single way you want to answer this, here's another one. Here's how I end. Here's how we know if, they're, if they should be aligned. TNT already signed them for prime time. So I'm guessing they've already cleared that hurdle. Mm. So let's let's say that. Okay, after Fair enough. Uh yeah, wrestling is dramatic, so hopefully there's not a problem. I hope that it's a good fit. I sort of understand the concern because there is a history of wrestling having conflict with their networks. Um you look at when WWE had their brand on sci-fi and they had to bring in like goofy sci-fi characters it was network interference uh when the original ecw was on i think tnt they had like a very bad relationship mm. um so uh, there's a fair concern there you look at all the problems that impact has had over the past forever with all the networks they've been on i get that there could be concern here uh and i hope that doesn't come up i hope it's a good fit and uh yeah, I'll just say again, in a world where WWE can get like a billion dollars for their product to be on Fox or whatever, <laughs> uh, it should be not a problem to do TNT and wrestling together. So that's that's my hope, that it will just yeah. not be an issue. That's a fair point. And I, what I would like to say, though, is TNT's been in the business before, so you would think. And yes, can, can, can something always go wrong? Sure. But you would think that they understand what a, AEW is trying to be. They are putting in the money to do the production, so there had to be some really in-depth conversations about what this is going to look like and what they're going to spend. 
And, you know, yeah, sure. I'll give you some of those. I will give you some of those. But with WWE, I don't know that that ECW was going to be that much better. And I don't know how a president's a man really is to zombies and other bullshit in his um, ECW. Because it's almost like that's what they, well that's why you see no stop and also TNA at times may be hindered by but sometimes TNA was the problem right TNA got a spanking for sneaking Vince Russo onto the product that to me that, that is historically good on the part of Spike TV so <laughs> you know sure you know, anything can happen but man you know it's a product that knows wrestling and it's an AEW that knows the product hopefully that's on so hopefully yeah. We we'll can only see. hope at this point, but yeah, I, I hope it is not an issue. But that's fair. He brought in the other side. I was being an asshole, and he he um he brought you back, CV Max. So you know, <laughs> this man is your friend. I am the man who you have tortured to the point that I don't know. I don't know how to take you up anymore, friend. <laughs> I love CV Max. I do definitely want to point out. Yeah, both of his questions were not questions. They were just statements. So that's yeah. baby face privilege for you. That is baby face privilege. <laughs> Oh, here he does, though. He's got one more. So this is, would it be interesting if being the elite transitioned into a 15- or 30-minute show and debuted on TBS, which is parallel to TNT? Ah, a real wow. question, indeed. So, there you I go. I will say, part, number one, no, it would not be interesting. Because it would. <laughs> not to us, I mean. Because <laughs> being the elite. Um, I think being the elite should have a space. But this is why, okay, I love this question because this is how much – trust I have in Cody Rose that if, if CB Mac and I or anyone else wants these things, they might not come to us the way we remember them, but they're coming to us because Cody Rose wants them too. So don't forget that we're already living in a world where Cody Rose dropped his response to Dustin Rhodes on YouTube at 6.05. That already happened. So for me, it doesn't... Like, I, Would I be happy? I Sure, I'd take, a, I'd take a TBS show. But I'd be just as happy if there was a uh, BR Live show that was at 6.05, or if it's something like Cody dropping. If Cody just sporadically drops things at 6.05, I, I see you, Cody Rhodes, and you see me. So for me, that's what I'm happy about. And their own, like, more and more nostalgia, as long as it's not um, falling prey to that thing, I'm always going to feel good about it. Right. But you cannot. I woke up in a world where TB, TNT tweeted that they're back in the wrestling business. I, I, I'm happy right now. I'm not making demands today. Today's not a demand day. Today is a thank you, Cody Rose. Thank you, AEW. Thank you, TNT day for me. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, yeah, I would probably not watch this being the Elite show, or at least not regularly, because I have not been a huge fan of the show as it currently exists. But... I'll say it would be a nice indicator of their success um, if they got mm. something like that. And uh, also, like you say, like other other possible iterations of this idea uh, could definitely be fine with me. I'm imagining uh, a 15 to 30 minute MJF show, you know, on a weekly or a monthly basis where he just did his own thing. Or maybe even for like a spectrum of guys. Um, so, yeah, maybe not being the elite specifically, but uh, I, I can see some upside to this sort of thing. But that's why, to me, it shouldn't be TBS. It should be part of a league pass or network. Right, right. Because I don't know. I don't want to say this because I need I need to save money. Like, we're all trying to live out here. <laughs> For but, sure. man, you include your pay-per-views 
And then all these guys have cameras following them, and you can watch the MF the, the MJF show. You can watch all these other folks. You can watch what Darby Allen's doing, and I can see them doing something like this. This is their one chance to be not only an alternative to WWE, but really to be kind of on that successful level because fan the fandom is changing. Like it's more inclusive of a multitude of genders. It's more inclusive of a lot of different directions. And I think one thing is there's some things that trouble me and folks know, and I'll bring it up if it becomes a problem, but there's also some things that encourage me. And one big thing is I feel like that comes with, we want more intimacy with the wrestlers. So what I would want to see is when you're on TNT, yeah, it might be a little bit different. We might see you a certain way depending on how they do it. But, you know, a lot of times you're about your business and it's time to go out there and wrestle or do a promo and raise hell. But then I, I wouldn't mind seeing you three days later on a Saturday and how you're feeling after that match and what else do you have to do? Because, like, that's kind of the world that a lot of people have grown up in. You just know people like that. Yeah. And if you can create all of that and put it on a league pass and BR live and ask me to pay for it, you've got my money already. It's there. It's waiting for you. So let's do that. Yeah, I like it. Okay. So we are coming to the end. We are leaving that section, and we have one more question. It has its own section. It is a double or nothing question. And it comes from Doc, and Doc says, what does double or nothing have to do to make you feel genuinely amped about their future direction. I feel like there's been a sort of downturn in your enthusiasm. He's calling us out. It might be he. I think he did listen to last week's show. He listens, I think, to a lot of them. I don't know about all, but yeah, he's a listener for sure. But that was the week that we, I think I thought we were going to have a positive conversation, and it took a turn. So I, I see, I see you, Doc. I feel like there's been a sort of downturn in your enthusiasms in recent weeks, peaking with the last few episodes where it felt more critical and less glasses half full to me so what's double or nothing got to do to change that and make you guys glow <laughs> that's beautiful that's a that's a hell of a last question going into where we're going for sure yep i didn't write anything down for this one so i just wanted to talk in the moment and see what happens okay all right for me what double or nothing needs to do is simply deliver uh but i don't mean in the ring i know already that I'm going to enjoy most, if not all, of these matches. I know what most of the people can do. I'm going to be into the wrestling. But if I'm going to invest in AEW on a higher level, then this pay-per-view needs to deliver on a story level for me. Compel me to tune in for the next show. Not just to get answers about some swerve you did. Not just to hear the shitty mm-hmm. comments of John Moxley or CM Punk. But mm-hmm. because I absolutely need to know... What happens next in the story? I need to know what's happening to the characters that I'm starting to get invested in. Uh, A lot of these matches, they do look good to me on paper, but they haven't had a lot of story behind them. We've just had little, you know, introductory videos. Hey, they're going to be in the company. Isn't that nice for them? Uh, All the promotions that I've invested in most heavily have been story-based. I'm talking about Lucha Underground. I'm talking about my love for Chikara. I'm talking about impact when they were on a good level i'm talking about wwe when they were on a a level that was working for me these are the companies that i have invested in so heavily that have these rich stories that go up and down the card that keep me coming back week after week um that's what i need to see and i don't need to see it all at once but plant enough seeds for me to say i can't wait to see what's going to happen next and there's so much potential to do that you've got Pac and page 
You've got, like we were talking about, the SoCal Uncensored uh, OWE match. What are we going to learn about these guys? Chris Jericho is in there. Kenny Omega, how can he grow? What are the women going to do? Cody and Dustin, of course. The Battle Royal, full of interesting guys, full of potential. What's going to happen to the Lucha Brothers? What's going to happen to Pentagon? Is he going to continue down this road? Is he going to come back and be something like he was before? Uh, the women, Aja Kong is going to be there. What havoc will she wreak in the company? Which of these other women is going to step up? There's so much rich stuff in here. And all they really need to do is take advantage of that. Because if I come here and I just see a bunch of like exhibition matches and at, and in, at the end of the night... Like, I don't really have any questions. I'm just like, ah, I saw some good matches. I'm not I'm not going to pay 50 bucks the next time, you know? I'm probably not going to do it. So that's what I need. That's what I got to see. There's so much potential for it. But I just need to know that I can invest on that level. And I have a lot of confidence that I will. But from what we've seen so far, it's not a certainty. So I just need to see that. I need to have my faith restored just a little bit. All right, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's going to make me glow, and I, I feel like we're going to get it, but I don't want to put my hopes up too much before it happens because you never know what could happen. So that's me. That's what I got. Miss Van laid that out so well. Um, for either of us, not only are matches not going to do it by themselves, but we, we take for granted. They're gonna, there are going to be matches that people will talk about leaving the show. Um, we understand that. I'm not opposed to shock value in that, like, oh, a great big thing you didn't expect happened. I am opposed to that being a pattern or a crutch. Because you know what shock value tells you? It tells you that everything as it is is not sufficient. It needed something extra. I want to see a product where everything that I'm watching for is built in to the daily, the weekly, and the monthly. Ms. Van said, I need to know what happens in the story. If someone from my undergrad, back when I was a creative writing undergrad, and by God, we were going to do something. We weren't going to be like everybody else. We were going to do something creative, and one of us was going to blow, and something was going to pop, and man, something was going to happen. If I got a text message from somebody... 10 years I haven't talked to him. Like, you know what? I got a book. It's about to come out, man. It's catching fire. I'm about to do this, that, and the other. Man, wait, watch. Uh, I'll text you in a month. I'll text you in a month. You got to hear what's going on. You need to come out. You need to see this. And then I never heard from them again. What the hell, man? What the hell? We were building momentum. I needed to know where you were going. I want that for my pro wrestlers. I want to have to know what happens next. I'm actually presenting at an academic pop culture conference later in this year. And I'm going to present on AEW and Cody Rhodes. And one thing that I see, fandom is all of a sudden popular, not only in the world, but in the academic circles. And you know why it's popular? popular now because people can be online together and people can study social media and technology and that offend, I'm happy for all that but it offends me a little bit because as an introvert as a highly sensitive person I fully believe that me by myself with no other human being watching a product that works is relational 
I don't feel like that's passive or escapism. I feel like I'm in dialogue and relationship with what I'm watching, and it can change what I know and how I am in the world. I won't... We're talking about what's going to make you guys glow. Number one, you're always going to have to worry with me, Doc, and I think the thing I would tell you is don't fear if you hear the tone change from week to week because I am. It's a highly sensitive person. I am always seeing what could possibly go wrong, and I can't help that. But they want it to glow. I need continuity. I need character development. I need storytelling. I need everything to be laid on this principle that everybody is fighting for the most significant thing they can fight for. And every time everyone loses, they lose something they may not recoup. And when they win, they win something that is only going to hurt worse if they lose it someday. So, in short, I need exactly what AEW is promising me. I need it to play out in the manner that from the quotes I've read... And the Cody Rhodes vision that I should see it playing out. I want to leave double or nothing. Not only saying. Cody and Dustin, for example, told a story in that match that they needed to tell 10 years ago. But I want to leave with three, four, five, six, seven, don't care the number, people who no video could do it, who mean nothing to me now except for they are bodies, and I want to know who they are, and I want to wonder what they're going to do next. I want to come on this show with Miz fans saying, you know what, Miz fan? I don't want more belts, but there's not going to be enough belts. Do you see how many talent there is? Do you see how much ambition there is? Do you see how many people want this? There's going to be problems, Miz fan. And it's going to be terrible, and I don't want to see it, but I do want to see it. I want to see the conflict. I want to see ambition. Yeah, I wish we could live in a world where everybody just has everything they want and everything's perfect. But I don't know if we'd even be driven to get out of bed as human beings. There has to be a little bit of conflict to be a human being. So I want, I want conflict that has an ethos and a consistency. And I want to see what the hell that does to human beings who are all thrown in this weird mix of storytelling and combat that we call pro wrestling. Just be consistent with it. And I think I won't glow. Doc, I think I will glow. You'll find out in two weeks, though, sir, because we are going to have to live up to this. Four week, four months of this, man. And we're going to have to come on here and tell you what our collective $100 did or didn't do for us. So we're going to find out. Here's, a, here's the last thing I'll say. I would love to also be glowing in two weeks for some for the last thing that I could have predicted off that show. So we'll see. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I like it. I think we're pretty close to on the same page here. Um, I don't want to say, yeah, uh, regarding shock value, it's definitely not that I don't want surprises. I want stuff to happen to be like, whoa, why did that happen? I got to know. Like, I got to find out. Yeah. Um, what I just don't need is to be feeling like, well, that made no fucking sense. I guess I got to watch the next show to figure out why that was supposed to make sense. You know, it's like yeah. the difference between a surprise and a Vince Russo trademark swerve. So that that's my distinction there. That's good. Um, I think I mentioned this on the show, but Eric Bischoff, I don't know if he even gets this, but do you know why? Ah, man, I hate shallow. I hate shallow uptakes. A lot of times they come from people in the business. Um, 
the Lex Luger moment again. Lex Luger came out while Sting was wrestling Ric Flair. That right there, for any NWA fan, that is the triangle from 1998 to that moment that was NWA WCW. So they, it wasn't just someone coming in. It was someone coming into a story they probably never should have left. And then on top of that, what's the only other thing as big, if not bigger, than connecting him back to Ric Flair? And Sting is putting him in the ring with a guy he was compared to in the 80s who he's never been face-to-face with in Hulk Hogan. So all of it made sense historically. It made sense in the moment, and it made sense going forward. Mm. This is all we're at. This is not a lot. Here's what I'm asking. You want me to glow? Be reliable. Keep your damn word. And don't tell me. Show me. And I will come I will come on here weekly and I will glow for the audience. But I need I need ground that's not gonna fall out from under my feet. Cool. Alright, we're out of questions. We we talked about all the listeners' choices. What a good show. I thank you, everyone, who sent in those questions. There's a lot of really good stuff in here. That was absolutely a good show. The fact that we have that many responses, that many questions, again, it tells you just how much is up in the air. But the weird thing is, there will always be things up in the air, but when we come back in two weeks, we're going to have the shortest conversation we've ever had on the show about what AEW is, because Cody Rose says it starts on the 25th. We're going to see that. It's going to be three, four hours, whatever they do now, 17 hours. I don't know what <laughs> the time is, but it's going to be that. And we're going to take notes. And they're not just going to be intellectual. They're going to be felt sense. They're going to be embodied. They're going to be this person, this match, this feud, this potential. And when we come back on the air, we will have the shortest conversation I do think that we've ever had on the show. So, hey, there's something for you. <laughs> And then we'll have a very, very long conversation about all the details of what happened. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's going to be great. Um, yes, thanks to Ryan Evans, to uh, Brooklyn, to Zayman, to the Doc, to uh, Kath, Kath, still no, sorry, to Benjamin Button, to CB Mac, um, to Sir Sam, to anybody I might be forgetting who did send in those questions. Uh, thanks very much. We will be back in two weeks with our review of Double or Nothing and anything else that may have happened in that time. I'm sure it's going to be a packed show. Um, thanks for listening. If you want to shout us out, I am on Twitter. I am at SpectralGent. You can always send me more questions. You can give me a shout. Give me a follow. Your uh, comments very, very well make it to our episodes. They often do. Always love uh, the interaction that we get. Uh, hope you check out the other great programs on LOP Radio. And on that note, I think when we come back, uh, probably we'll be in a slightly different format. Still don't have all the details on that. Uh, I believe we're going to still be Blog Talk affiliated, but uh, we'll be getting out information via Twitter and everything. And uh, I don't think it'll have too much effect on the show itself. So should be mostly business as usual, but we'll keep you updated. Uh, also, do check out lordsofpain.net and lopforums.com for a lot of great written material. It's a lot of good stuff there. So I think that is everything that we were going to cover on this very fine day. I am hyped. 
for Double or Nothing. I am glowing a little bit. I can't wait to see it. I think the card looks really good. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. I'm feeling optimistic. I'm feeling happy. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. On May 18th, 2019, I am glowing as well. I am alive, and so is TNT and professional wrestling. So is the vision of the son of Dusty Rhodes. Next time we see you, this gets real. But until next time, own Double or Nothing and through Double or Nothing. Don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. I saw an undiscovered creature Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear it's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature The undiscovered creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The undiscovered creature Discovered.